Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chase Doesn't Know podcast. I am honored that you're here to listen to another episode. My guest for this episode is a good buddy of mine, and if you have listened to the podcast for any period of time, you probably know who he is. Carl Wiggers is good friend and has also been the producer, official slash unofficial. I guess he's official. Well, he can't be official because I don't pay him, so we'll say half official producer of the show, and he does an amazing job, but he works in media day in and day out. He produces lots of video content and audio content during his day job for Farm Bureau, and he is a country boy. He grew up on a farm. His dad's a farmer. Um, if you've heard him speak, or when you hear him speak in a minute, you'll know he's a little bit country. So his job is the perfect combination of country and media because he spends his days doing stories about farmers and producing podcasts on the farming industry and covering the things that are happening in that world. Also, him and his wife are good friends uh, of my wife and myself. So we have a little fun talking about them building their house and a few other things that we have in common. So thank you again, Carl, for hanging out and being the guest this run through. I really enjoyed it. Can't wait for the next one. We talk about flying and other things. And I hope you enjoy this conversation with my good friend, Carl Wiggers. My sponsor for this episode, an official sponsor, is Raising Canes. Raising Canes of Central, to be more exact. Yes, Raising Canes, as many of you know, and if you know anything about me, is my favorite fast food restaurant. And um, they have been gracious enough the wonderful managers, manager of the Raising Canes in Central has been gracious enough to sponsor this episode and potentially more episodes of the podcast. So you should definitely, if you're ever in the Central area, stop by Raising Canes in Central City. Uh, it's definitely, I can say without a doubt, the best canes around, best run canes, the cleanest, and it'll have the most quality food. I can guarantee it. Thanks again to Canes for sponsoring this episode, and I hope you enjoy my episode with Carl Wiggers. I feel really bad because, I mean, I know all the, I know a lot of the memes. I share a lot of the memes, and for so long I've, like, I've known about The Office, but I've never watched it mm -hmm. consistently. I've seen like an episode here and there, but I've never watched it. So, I'm so you've kinda, been a poser memer. I feel like it. <laughs> I feel like it. It's like a, I don't know. I feel like I'm real punk, but all of a sudden now that I'm watching it, we're on like season seven and I'm like, I feel like I, I feel like I belong now. <laughs> so it's been fun. Yes. Yeah, everybody said like uh, that show, we're recording by the way, right? Yeah. All right, sweet. We get, this is a perfect place to start because I was just thinking as we were about to start, we could talk about TV shows. Mm, um, we're in your office. So let's talk about the office. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, everybody said that like the season two See, maybe season three was like the best uh, of The Office, which I think is probably true. I think season two like is definitely, if not, the f I mean, it's, it's definitely the funniest. But on our last watch through, because uh, like the first season is okay, first season is okay, and then like the last couple seasons, once Michael leaves, it's just not like Michael leaves. Oh, oh, sorry. You knew Freaking that. spoiler! You knew that already. No, I did that. not know that. Well, there's no way you couldn't have known that. Well, now I can't. Oh, well, sorry. Can't unhear that. Spoiler alert. We're on season... I just told you we're on season seven. <laughs> the show You've is seen like it so many times. 50 years old. I thought that you already know this. I think I actually did know that. Okay, good. You're right. time. Yeah. But we're not there yet, you jerk. So anyways, once 
something happens that changes the dynamic of the show that I won't give away. <laughs> it's not quite as, maybe not quite as good, but on our last watch through, I think it was like season five, if I remember, like season five, yeah, was probably just as funny as season two. <coughs> Which, what season are you on right now? I'm going to say it one more time, seven. Seven, okay. You're on season seven and he hasn't left? Maybe it happens. I don't know. Holly just came back. They had like the third or fourth Christmas okay. party. It's where you scrapped the whole Christmas plans and like did the classy Christmas where he was oh, wearing yeah, like yeah, the velvet yeah, yeah. jacket. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, Holly. Man, there's like so many episodes of that show. Yeah. And also, I mean, I've heard people, other people say like, oh, this season's the best season. I can't tell because it's like we're first watching it for the first time. Right. And I don't have any like, like reference point. Also, because I've watched it so, like, we've watched it pretty quick. Back to back. Yeah. And we watched seven or eight episodes, you know, on a weekend. Yeah. And it's like, I don't remember and with what the whole, season two or three happened. With the whole, it all runs uh, together. Binge feature on Netflix. Like, you don't really know what you just, you just hit yeah, next. Yeah, we, we, we really went know. from one season to the next. We're like, man, that was a great episode. And then the next episode, and we're like, oh, that was the finale. That's why it was such a great episode. Yeah. <laughs> but we didn't realize it until the beginning of the next. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that yeah. show. My favorite, I think probably my favorite scene in the entire show is uh, whenever whenever they have to do the uh, CPR training. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> then Dwight. Dwight pulls out his knife. Yes, and cuts the face off of the dummy. Knife. <laughs> Puts it on his face. Yeah, but, and that's, that that's an example of one of those scenes I knew very well because it's on Facebook yeah. in you know, every form and fashion. And so you see the memes, you see the clips. So I've seen that a lot, but seeing it in context and also, I mean, seeing Dwight's character through the entire yeah. arc and it's like, oh, he's always crazy. Who is your favorite character? Um, I don't, it's hard to say. I had this weird thing for Andy. Like, for Andy? Okay. He's so <laughs> freaking goofy, but also I think part of it is because of my buddy Andy um, kind of made like a... I don't know if I can say this, kind of made a joking, like, hey, here's who is on our staff. He's a coworker of mine. Oh, okay. Here's our staff in office characters. Oh, like he lined y'all up with And I, I got put with Andy <laughs> somehow. I was like, I'm totally the lovable Jim. And this was before you saw the show? This is as I, st- and, I and I was like, oh, I had no input or no, like, right. frame of reference. I was like, I, I guess, okay, cool. I like Ed Helms. And then I started watching. I was and at first I was like, "The heck, dude! Andy's <laughs> such a goober." But anyways, so that may be why I kind of have this affinity towards Andy. But so, where what is he doing currently? Where you're at in the show, Andy? Yeah, uh, he just actually we just watched the episode where he hosted his uh, sales seminar, sales or his, oh, like, semi- yeah, small business yeah, seminar, small business cinema seminar. It was all just a train wreck. God, so terrible. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I got a favorite character. Um, I was going to say without giving anything away. I also really love Kevin. You may change from Andy. Oh, I, I mean, and I think I think a lot of my Andy comes from the fact that that's who I am in my Quote unquote, yeah. my office. Um, but I really I also really love Kevin. He's just Kevin such a hilarious. goofy like character. <laughs> Very unfortunate. Every I I can't do it on the podcast, but his smile like the yeah. <laughs> Every time he says something mischievous or something, oh, everyone's picturing his smile right yeah. now in Anyways. their heads. So I, I do like I do like him, but I don't know. It's a fun show. It is. It's great. We haven't watched too much lately. I mean, with the roommates and 
You have roommates? House. Now? Yeah, we got roommates. I mean, I know who they are, but who are they? Uh, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law, Brooke and Thomas Wimberly. Nice. They've moved back from LA. You know, everybody. They moved back, and now they're homeless, so they're living with you. Well, they're actually going to be. <laughs> they're going to be our first uh, renters in our our venture into uh, owning re- rental properties. By rental properties, I mean a rental property. Your current uh, house. The current house we're keeping when we're building. Uh, so any of your avid listeners may remember Thomas from episode yep. one, episode one, very first, the, the original, the OG inaugural episode. Um, so yeah, that's, they, they moved back from LA in first of July. So they've been living with us since then, which has been great. Honestly, I was, I didn't really know what to expect. The house is not huge, but it's not small. So I was like, I knew we'd have our own space, but you know, sharing one, t- we only have one TV in the house and it's in the living room. So sharing one TV, sharing really crappy internet, it's kind of a, <laughs> it's a good thing. They love the office too. Yeah. It works out really nice. That's the only thing we watch really on TV is that, or Thomas, you know, moving from an apartment to, he's been in apartments since mm-hmm. I think his first rental, like forever ago now. So he's got, finally got his own yard and he's like, it's, it's kind of fun. They have a dog too. Don't they, they have a dog. Yeah. yeah. A little, Bulldog. So what's it like living with a family slash really good friend that and now that you're like basically almost thirty? It's almost it's it's honestly a lot of fun. That Brooke and Thomas have been they've been great. They're like constantly like, dude, is there anything we can do to be like I mean, I know we're imposing and we we offered offered it to them. It's been super easy though. And like, I mean in LA, they didn't have a dishwasher, so they're like. What? They never did. I think didn't didn't Luke tell us that they didn't have a dishwasher in, in San Francisco, Francisco? I think so. That is crazy. You have to yeah. have a dishwasher. <laughs> they're they're like uh, it takes too much real estate. In, yeah, I guess so. In LA, but they're so they're in this real like they're very conditioned to doing dishes, and that's one of the things I got kicked out of my kitchen the, the other night. Really, Brittany cooked dinner. That's fantastic. And I was <laughs> feeling guilty because my wife cooked dinner, and I was like trying to help with dishes. Yeah. While she went and got ready for bed, and Brooke and Thomas were like, "Hey, uh, get out of the way. We're gonna handle this." And I'm like, nice. "Oh my gosh, can't do the dishes in my own house." But they've been just—they've been incredible. It's—I don't know. It's—it's it's honestly really fun. I feel like Thomas and I probably don't get as much work done whenever I'm working from home. Uh, Are you working from home often? Kinda, yeah. I mean, I okay. probably go into the office once a week. Twice oh, so a week, you're home maybe. like most of the week. Most of the week, but if I'm not like, I mean, this week I was out on the road two days. Oh, right, right, right. Um, Driving around, shooting video. So. And so Thomas is free. I know he. I actually talked to him on the phone like yesterday. Mm-hmm. Randomly, he called me, and but he said he's like freelancing and stuff. So he's a he's working at your house. Yeah, he's working at the house and like yeah. sitting at the kitchen table, which has been honestly really fun for the first first week or so. It was like this is cool because <laughs> he was sitting like he got a, a new MacBook, so we're both sitting MacBook to MacBook looking at each wow. like. Like at Bond, our kitchen MacBook table, bonding time. Yeah, it's real. It's real special. But sounds real uh, heterosexual. <laughs> <laughs> but we're both sitting at the uh, at the kitchen table, and he's working with headphones on. I'm I got headphones on, and we're just trying to work. And but it's really hard because like every five minutes, I come across something that I'm like, dude, check an this office out. meme. <laughs> yeah, an office meme or yeah. uh, or he's showing me stuff. We're just chatting. We're we're really good. I think we're pretty good friends. He might disagree. I don't know. I think we're really good friends, and we're very similar, and we have a lot of interests that are alike. So we sit there and just talk a lot. So 
We should probably should have told Brittany and Brooke to Paul to like turn this while we talk, turn the volume down while we talk about this, because they're like, oh, the boys are just sitting at home hanging out all day, and we're out here working. Well, that's not the case. <laughs> um, Thomas actually, uh, that dude, I don't know, I don't know how he does it because he works like most of the day off and on. It looks, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's working. He's always showing me little things he's working on. Yeah, and then, but he doesn't stop. Like in California, he worked I think nine to five mm-hmm. or nine to six even. And at California time, like not like whatever, but I think even here, he's still working something in that ballpark, nine to five. Uh, And then after dinner, a lot of times he'll pull his computer out and keep working. Mm. He's just like a, he's a hustler. Nice. He's always working on something. He's got, he's got, he's got so many different freelance clients Yeah, and his own work too. So he's like always got something he can be doing. Um, What other TV shows uh, do you like? Since we were talking about TV uh, shows. I started to say this a minute ago. So we're not really watching any other TV shows. We have watched TV shows. Britt and I, we like to, we've, we've binged a few. We actually were talking about it yesterday. Um, Money Heist. Oh, I. Did we talk to y'all about that? No, but I was, we, so last night we were, Tori's parents were over. And so Mr. Larry had the remote before I got home and was flipping through. And I forgot that we have an Apple TV plus subscription free for a year. So he, he's on that looking through everything and he starts a movie. So then after the movie, I'm like, Oh, I, I need to like, we need to start watching this stuff. So I flipping through all kind of stuff. And then I saw money heist and I was like, this looks awesome. Money heist is awesome. It's, I, I like heist movies. I look like ocean. <clears throat> the oceans movies are probably yeah. some of my favorites. Is it, is it American or British? It's, Spanish money heist is oh like, like in Spain oh okay so it's and European I think, thing? I think yeah it's some, it, but it's it's dubbed all in English so they're talking in Spanish the whole time they're like their lips their are lips different are, their lips are talking in Spanish and the audio is English and it doesn't like just piss you off it kind of does yeah I mean but, but it's still but good. you kind of get past it I okay, mean okay some people can I can get past it um. But there, there are times where like the emotion in the face of the Spanish speaking uh, <laughs> doesn't match, does not match the emotion in the English audio. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a cool story. It's it's interesting, but it's like this super. I mean, do you know like the Ocean's movies mm-hmm. where they like this very elaborate heist plan? This is, I think, even more more oh, so really? elaborate. Good to know that you think it's good because if I would have turned it on, because we we started a new show last night actually randomly, mm-hmm. but and if I would have clicked on Money Heist and saw lips different than the sound, I would have immediately turned it off. Yeah, I think, I, and honestly, some Brittany's dad, Mr. Doug, is very like he doesn't he doesn't play with like bad TV or bad movies. Like he watch and he consumes a lot of TV, mm-hmm. and he he even like enjoys it. So I was like, man, if Mr. Wow. Doug can can watch this and not be yeah. super turned off. What I was going to say, I got to get this out. Okay. <laughs> um outside of the office right now what we're watching is a ton of YouTube like DIY backyard like <laughs> okay. patio stuff cuz nice. Thomas is like all in, like fired up about having a yard and having space to do projects and stuff, which is yeah. something I've been into for a while so yeah so he and i will like sit there and watch like a 20 minute video about somebody building like a <laughs> last night we were watching a guy building like a concrete like fire pit table type thing a fire a concrete fire pit table yeah like a fire on the table yeah what? like I, I was just like I, I don't know i find myself watching those on youtube and Brittany will just walk through the living room and be like shaking her head 
But I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, so that's cool. Or how to build like a an awesome dining room table out of just raw that's material. Cool. I kind of have wanted to do that. Tori wants has wanted me to build a table. Brittany but I was just like, one. if I do that, it's just if it's not perfect, it's going to be total garbage. Yeah, and I, I know it's not going to be perfect on my first try. Yeah, I built I built my own desks for my office or desks. Yeah, those are legit though. They're pretty legit, but they're I still when I sit down them at the office, I'm like. I should have done that better. I should have done this better. <laughs> I wish it was a little bit more square, a little bit more yeah. clean. So it's your fault, actually, I did that. Well, you took it. All I did was put boards on a door, and then you, like, did the whole shit. I know, but I, I I wanted to just do boards on a door. You could But then I, I couldn't. I had to overbuild it. Yeah, and but, stain it and all kind of stuff. Yeah, ours were, like, super rough. Yeah, so we were watching The Office, and we are watching... YouTube, YouTube tutorials, <laughs> nice. like outdoor tutorials. There's like a bunch of legit YouTube stuff. And it's kind of like, are, are you a Pinterest user? Absolutely. Oh, you are. Okay. I'm, I am like not really, but I have the app and I have an account and everything, but it's like whenever you get on Pinterest and you're like looking and to be clear, like looking at the man stuff on Pinterest. Obviously like outdoor. Right, like out, exactly. Storage. Like but I have it does. A, I have it's an like, entire storage board a storage board how to do like really good storage in your right but doesn't it like it like makes you want to do the stuff yeah. and you're like oh i could do this i could get my life so organized i could have this exactly. great looking stuff yes and then uh i so see i've done that before and then never done anything about it but it's very enjoyable to consume yeah we've been sure. i mean we've been tearing up pinterest for the last year i feel like right because you, know, you are building a house we are well, actually i'm not building anything <laughs> We're funding a house being built that we're right. going to live in eventually. I there think you go. that's a good way to put it. <laughs> I feel I feel weird. My brother is building a house as well. Uh, as in, and to be clear, he's funding or is he building? He, well, I mean, they're like self contracting it. Oh wow! So I feel like he's way he's he's not swinging a hammer. Yeah. As much, I mean, he may be. I guess I don't know, <laughs> but he's doing a lot more. He's a lot. He's going and picking up supplies and dropping it off at the house. Oh dang! So he's doing more than I am. So I feel re- I feel weird saying, "Yeah, we're building a house." I'm like. Eh. <laughs> I just drove out and walked it today. That's that's all I've done. <laughs> so what's uh let's talk about that because I did want to talk about building a house. Mm. And neither one of us are experts, of course. Absolutely. Maybe not. at some point I'll have a friend of mine who actually does build houses on here. That would be cool. He could give us some more detail. But uh you're a little more advanced than me because you're actually almost done with the well, as you put it, funding the house being built process. <laughs> well, we're going to fully fund it here in about 20 days, I think. Oh, yeah? So, Closing. excited. Yeah, I can't wait. The I think banks, fully gonna fund fund it. It. The banks you, are going to fund it. The banks are going to fund it. you're going to owe them money for 30 years. Yeah. Isn't that like, let's not, okay, let's yeah, not get into depressing. that. It is Let's depressing. not get into that. <laughs> um, okay, so so I, uh, and then also for anyone listening, it should be noted that Carl and his wife, Brittany, really wanted it, me and Tori to buy the lot. We're not giving two doors down and build a house also We're not but i'm up. not as rich as carl is oh my god and so we have to save <laughs> up for a few <laughs> okay so tell me about the the building process like i mainly want to know uh i guess start with like that first meeting that y'all had and then and then like how you pick everything and then like what options do you have have they told you no on anything like have you overspent on some things have you saved some money here to to use it there have you totally blown your budget out of the water like all that stuff give it to me Yes. Yes, to all of it. To everything. No. Okay. <laughs> um, honestly, we so we started out looking at a different house that the builder, AP Dotson, had built. And that's how the conversation began. We kind of looked at it. We're like, I mean, we like a lot of it. We like the location. Where, uh, where was this one? This was uh, off Jubin. 
Oh, um, right. Okay. South. Yeah, yeah. Um, but honestly, now looking back, it's a little bit further than we wanted to go anyways. But there were a few things about the house. We're like, ah, I'm not crazy about this plan, but it was way further along. And this is at Christmas. It was way further along, and we pretty much were at the point where we could pick, like, flooring mm-hmm. and some finishes. Mm-hmm. But not the plan. And we were kind of like, eh, I mean, we could. And the price was better. Um, but we were like, eh. Like, we were getting down to the nitty-gritty and, like, getting contracts and stuff and, and set up. But we weren't. It was some hesitation. So we, like, pulled back. and uh, But just kind of started from scratch, like, the conversation, like, with our realtor. And... Uh, Shout out. Rhett Sandusky, what's up? <laughs> and... Uh, who's been great, but he hooked us up with, he's like, Hey, uh, let's just start from square one. Like here's some denim properties. Here's some central properties, some like Baton Rouge, some like in the city Baton Rouge properties. And here's some like Zachary, I think. And (laughs) (laughs) brutal. But anyway, so one of the central properties was a proposed house Mm -hmm. on, in in the neighborhood that we're building in. Mm -hmm. And we were kind of like, I mean that's kind of cool. Let's talk. Let's let's kind of go this direction. Maybe um, we weren't really setting out to like want to build a house. We wanted we wanted to build a house eventually, but not really. We weren't setting out to do that at this point. But it, the money, the price was right. The location was great. Um, so he hooked it. He got we got us a meeting set up with one of the reps on that the builder side, and uh, we kind of just sat down. They they met us and they said, "What are you looking for in lots?" Here's a couple other developments we're doing. Like, no, we like this one. And we stayed kind of where we first looked. But they said, but the plans, we have other plans if you don't like the one that's proposed on the listing. So they had, a, the, for that lot, they already had a plan picked out? They'd already had a, a, the way they were a proposed it. plan. Yeah, yeah, just something to put on uh, MLS, I guess. Yeah. Just a plan. Which, honestly, I mean, we liked that. That was one of the plans we really did like. Uh, we kind of narrowed it down. So they gave us, we kind of gave them, we said, all right, we want this many bedrooms. We want about this many square feet. Um, you know, we want kind of the, the typical open concept kind of idea. Um, so we gave them all of those things. And said, well, here's a few plans. Um, and they emailed us a few more. And they said, now take whatever you don't like. If this one's maybe, say you wanted an 1,800 square foot house and this is a 2,000 square foot house plan. We can trim some here and there and, get it down to where you want it. So I was kind of like, oh, well, that's kind of cool that mm-hmm. we can kind of take this from this plan. And so how many plans being, did they give you to look uh, at? I think we ended up getting about six or seven plans oh, okay. to so look they at. they kind of narrowed it down for you. Oh, yeah, which, I mean, you on Pinterest, that's one of my favorite things to look at also is house plans. Yeah, I've been to houseplans.com. You should you should not go to houseplans.com. It's a bad place to be, it's yeah. a bad place to be. Because everything looks awesome. Yeah. Um, and but, you also think like, yeah, we could build this 2,500 square foot house. Like, I, I need that extra I need, room. I need that bonus room up <laughs> right. above the carport. Yeah. I, which I feel like I do. <laughs> of course. Obviously. Are you but, getting uh, it? No. Uh, bummer. But your carport will have some space to where you could do that, right? Yeah, I'll have like a storage room on the back. But I mean above carport. the... Oh, above it, I could. Maybe. No. Nah, no, nah, probably not. Okay. Um, so you got the so you so you had like six or seven, and then y'all like did y'all mesh some together? Uh, a, a little bit. We took so we kind of narrowed it down to like okay, we like this the flow of this plan, and uh, like I mean the the bedrooms we kind of liked where everything was and kind of how the laundry was and yeah. had a good pantry. It had kind of good a good starting point. Yeah, um, and we we kind of 
added this this little area. I think we made our pantry a little bit bigger because um, you can never have a big too big pantry too big of a pantry. Um, and we stretched the outdoor kitchen, the back patio area some. Obviously, so did they? Uh, so like when you're talking through, like they pretty much just said, yeah, we can do that to any change you wanted. Pretty much. I and mean, it was, was was it like was it like every change you made? Not like the add. I know you told me about the add-ons, but so not the add-ons. But and this might not. This might be different with every builder. We don't know. I don't. I'm yeah, just probably. I don't your know. situation because I'm curious. But was there like okay, we want to change this wall over here, and they said okay, that's gonna like cost more or um or can you no just- honest honestly that that wasn't really discussed. It was mainly like hey, you know, if you want to move this wall or you want to for one, we took a a bathroom from a different plan and said we won't this as our second bathroom like the guest bath and they're like okay we can we can kind of make that work and they did that but we only made changes to the plans well real like structural changes to the plans like once oh, okay. we kind of gave them like okay this plan we want to shrink it you know 100 square foot we want to make this bathroom change we want to you know move this wall a little bit uh all those kind of things we did that and then uh they kind of came back and we were like, oh yeah, actually that, we want that flipped. I mean, very tiny things like we wanted, like on the outdoor kitchen, the sink and the grill were on the wrong side. So we mm-hmm. flipped those, which okay. they had to have all that kind of stuff for the plumbing plans yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So, but no, there wasn't really, I, they told us, they're like, oh, there's, there's going to be start to be a charge if we make changes and changes and changes and gotcha. changes. But not, I mean, I mean, I don't think there was any real charge. I may find out. In a couple of weeks, like, oh, actually, the, all your plan changes were, were this much. I'm like, oh, I don't, it's an extra fifteen thousand dollars. I don't think that's the case, but uh, so when was this that y'all were doing the plan stuff? So all that was honest, right around January. So okay. we we went and looked at a house. I think actually, Christmas Day. That evening, we went out and saw that house on Jubin. Okay, um, that's when we, this whole thing kind of got rolling, and by. Mid January, we had already had a. I think early January, we met, had that first meeting where we got some plans. For the next few weeks, we kind of looked through them and narrowed down what we want. And um, and Anna, I think we sent like the plans to be. Uh. Kind of finalized, or we sent the plans to make that had the changes made, in probably mid mid to late January, right before I went off on my international trip. Yeah. Okay. And then when we got back, we had, I think we got them back, the plans back. The, like the final version? Well, the close to final. Finalist and we had to ish. flip this and that. Um, so so probably they, mid-February, we were, they were locked in, if I had to guess. So, like and the, so once you're done, then they go like start the groundwork and all that? Well, they had to start, they had to submit it for permitting. Okay. And that took a few weeks. Of course, stupid government. Government. But honestly, <laughs> and uh, and at this point, so I guess we're looking at end of February, early March, and coronavirus is starting to crank up. Mm-hmm. So we were like, oh, crap. Like, is this going to, or house is going to be built? Mm-hmm. You know, construction, is that going to keep moving? So we weren't really sure. But, and, and one of the biggest concerns was with go, our government office is going to shut. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get our permits Not back. Not being able to do the permits. So we got our permits back, and they, everything was good. And so when did they? Plans. When, did the, when was like the start date? Day one. So I was shooting video of it. So I have exactly when it started. Right. By the Day, way, if you want to see drone video and stuff of a house being built, you could go hit check me up out on his Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. Um, day one, the very first day they were like working on the foundation and moving dirt around was the day after Easter. 
Okay. Whatever day that was. I have no idea. I can probably find it out. But that hey, was Siri. A, that was an exciting day. There you go. Ready? Hey, what day was Easter 2020? Easter was on Sunday, April 12, 2020. So April 13th, you said? That was the day. So April 13th, and they told us pretty much from... And we're August 8th right now, so that's only like four months. April, May, June, July, August, yeah. They told us from the day, and we'll be at the end of August when we close, so it'll be almost five. Four and a half, yeah. Uh, four and a half, five. They told us from day one, like, hey, from the time that you send off plans... Uh, for permitting, it'll be about six weeks to get that back, and then another six months is the timeline they gave us. And uh, okay, we've so been way under. It feels like yeah, ahead of schedule. That's not common ahead of schedule on construction. Yeah. So speaking of, what problems have arisen from building a house, or have you have there been any problems? Um, a little bit, but honestly, I mean, a lot of that I think is pretty common. Like, um, like uh, stuff. Like the uh, superintendent wasn't there, and brick guys. I hate to say I, I don't want to say it like they they messed up, they screwed the house up. Yeah. But they we had two different bricks that we were going to use because we we're really extra. Wow, that is pretty bougie. Um, we painted the house white, so they didn't really care what brick they used for most of the house. But we wanted our outdoor fireplace and outdoor kitchen hashtag bougie <laughs> to be a different uh, a different unpainted. I told y'all Carl was richer than me. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Not at this house, uh, for sure. So they used uh, the wrong brick. On, so they used the wrong brick on the yeah. fireplace, and so you're getting ten thousand dollars off your price now. Not at all. <laughs> no, but they did, and 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 I guess this is like the builders were like, "Hey, we'll tear that brick out tomorrow and put the right brick up if that's what y'all want, or we can just credit y'all for some other upgrades." Mm-hmm. And we were like. Yeah, I don't. We don't. We didn't. We at, when we got there, we we're like, we don't really feel strongly enough. I don't guess about it to do all that work and make all those changes just to hit our very specific dream and plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now that it's done, it painted and it looks great. We're kind of we're kind of happy with it. I say kind of happy. So it's things like that. It's not really. Yeah, yeah. Nothing crazy. Nothing's falling apart or anything like that. What? Um. So I'm curious for myself, if I was going to build a house, this would help me. Is there anything that's popped up that you didn't expect that you would have to pay for? Or do they line it out like pretty much exactly at the beginning? That So once you say, yes, let's do it, you know, like exactly what you're getting, what you're paying for. Well, one. Yeah. I mean, I think I think there's probably always stuff that pops up that you're like, oh, I didn't know I was going to have to pay for that. Like, for instance, we just had, we just got side put down, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on about just under a half acre, which for me, coming from the country, I wanted at least that. Mm-hmm. Um, but as, you know, kind of we start looking at it, I think included in our like landscaping budget is like five pallets a side, which. It's not very much. Didn't right? go very far. Yeah, <laughs> and we were we were kind of like at least one of the front and sides kind of all fully sodded, mm-hmm. and even some of our backyard like that's what we love is our backyard and we got an outdoor kitchen and all that kind of stuff. We wanted a yard to enjoy, and so we had to we ended up adding I think ten pallets of sod, ten extra on top of the five, so triple. Wow, and we got like I'm not saying this sound extra, but we got like three row three uh, feet. Around the back half of the uh, the house, so pretty much oh, enough. Wow, so pretty much need en- like t- you would need like ten 30. more. I need like thirty, probably set pallets aside in the entire yard. Wow, yeah. So, but 
that's that that's yeah. extra that we had to pay for mm-hmm. that like 10 pallets that we wouldn't i mean we didn't really know um it's funny as early on i was thinking oh we might do a couple extra pallets aside because it showed like on the upgrade list it's like oh it's x dollars per pallet and we we're like oh we might do a few extra pallets <laughs> and now looking at it it's like that's funny <laughs> because i was thinking two or three yeah and uh here we are 10 pallets later and but i wrote a check for that the other day and like that's kind of stuff that you're paying for up front that a lot of the upgrades and this is it gets really complex and it may not be the same for everybody and i'm I mean, I could be totally wrong, but a lot of the upgrades you pay up front and then, okay, you know, like, so, so, so the builder is not building a house that right. is super that you can't really extra that pay you for. can't pay that you can't like, they don't want to be stuck with. Okay. So you told me this before, but I wasn't still wasn't quite clear on it. So let's say you have everything set with the plans. Okay. Here we're done with the plans. This is what you're getting. Then you say, okay, actually I want to do like marble countertops. So whatever the difference is between what you agreed on and the marble countertops or whatever it is, if it's like a thousand bucks difference, you have to pay, you have to write a check. Like whenever you say, I want to do that and give it to the builder. Not, not instantly, but I mean like, yeah, you, that that goes on your tab and, and you have to pay that like during the process, not at at closing. Yes. Which is, but this is where it's kind of confusing. And I think I'm hope I understand this right. Otherwise, it's going to be a real interesting day in a few weeks. Um, but a lot of that, like, so say you're building a two hundred fifty thousand dollar house, and you upgrade your, you know, all your total upgrades, your marble countertops, and your outdoor kitchen, and all this stuff um, ends up maybe your flooring goes over your, your budget, so that overage, and then you you go a thousand dollars over on lighting or something like that all that tab ends up being say twenty thousand dollars you have to pay that up front but then say you're on contract for a twenty five two hundred fifty thousand dollar house yet it appraises for 265 when you get down to the end of the road well 15 of that twenty thousand dollars that you paid towards upgrade up front will then be worked into your down payment since it appraised for that much right does that make sense yep I really hope that's what happens because <laughs> all the upgrades we've paid up front would essentially go towards our down payment. And we've oh, gotten okay. some of those numbers back and some of it is going that way. So that's So you have actually written checks for stuff, but at closing, hopefully everything some should, of that you some paid of that should, for yeah. would go towards down payment. Yeah. So you may not owe as much as much of a down payment. All right, got it. Okay. That yeah, sense. that's kinda how that works. So I mean you pay for it up front. I I think you pay for it up front to make sure the builder isn't left. As money, yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, that the, makes sense. The builder is not left with a say a two hundred fifty thousand dollars house that it cost him two seventy to build. Yeah, you know cool. whatever. So that's and kinda, maybe, again maybe we could uh, maybe whenever I'm the guy I'm thinking of, if I could get him to come talk to us, maybe he could also. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Have know more about that. Um, that's kind of the way I understand it, and yeah. I think that's probably very loose terms, um, but that's kind of the way. So here's but you're paying you're writing checks up front. Yeah, 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 yeah. Unless you just stick with the basics and just go. Yeah, you can. You can just. And I think, honestly, and this is something me and Brittany, when we went to make those selections, like all the flooring that we wanted and the countertops. I was was about to ask you about that. All those upgrades, which that meeting was a long meeting. (laughs) I didn't realize how much of a meeting that we weren't prepared for that. (laughs) Um, But when we were on our way to that meeting, it was like, all right, what are we sticking to our budget on? We're not going over budget. That's not a non-negotiable. Like not doing it, 
and pretty much the only thing we were going to upgrade was countertops. And then we got there to the meeting, and it was like, <laughs> yeah, we don't like these floors. We want to do better floors. <laughs> or, yeah, um, you know, we want gold handles, gold hardware. Wow. Cause 24 carat. 24 carat, because we are rich. <laughs> Not really. Uh, but anyways, we got done with that meeting, and I think I was like, did we just upgrade every possible thing to upgrade and that's not totally true but it's kind of how it felt yeah uh so i was going to ask you as like maybe the final question on the house thing probably probably the most critical is talk to me about how y'all decided and picked out everything for because you get to choose everything right you get to choose a lot i mean they give you like the starting point i guess and they give you options but yeah so how do you pick like what to put here and what to put there and it's a lot of questions I didn't even think about, like crown molding. Do you want this kind or like this kind? Dang. Like you don't think about that stuff. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of things, but a lot of it, I mean, Britt and I have a very similar taste um, in like what we like in a house and like colors and stuff. It was pretty easy because we like, we want a lot of the same stuff. So I kind of gave Britt a lot of that, like, hey, what you like, I like, which is true and it's not just a happy wife mentality <laughs> um but there were, there were like decisions i needed i had to make too but a lot of that was pretty easy based on like the pinteresting that i was telling you about mm-hmm. like we did a ton of pinteresting and like we would get to that meeting i was talking about and we would just say hey look all right this is kind of what you just show them Pinterest this is boards. kind of what we want can you do yeah. something like this and they're like uh ah. like for doors i kind of so we did like shaker style cabinets have I, no idea what that is. I didn't either. I just knew the look. I was like, we want this. Oh, that shaker style. Yeah, we can do that. That's standard on our cabinets. Perfect. Which was, or not, it's not the standard, but it's a standard option. I was like, cool. That's what we want. Which that decision made the decision for, you know, you think about it like that's bathroom countertops, bathroom cabinets. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, your if you do any built-ins, that's what they're going to do. If you do anything in the kitchen, in the laundry room, all of that will be the same thing. So it's one decision right there. Mm-hmm. But then, like doors, that was not a standard option. So we had to upgrade our doors to match mm-hmm. cabinets because we wanted that look. Smart by the builder to do that. Yeah, so, <laughs> and they're just more expensive. I mean, I, you can look on Home Depot, just us, and see like, oh, the standard door that was is. $15 and the shaker door is $30 mm-hmm. like whatever I don't know I'm throwing those numbers out but it's they're just more expensive yeah but I mean the builder that like the amber or actually I think it was Gabby at this point but we did the same thing with amber we had we've had two different people working with us on the builder side which have both been amazing I they I can't believe they definitely deserve a bottle of wine after all the <laughs> questions and bombarding of texts and phone calls from me and Britt but uh, they just had like a five or six page spreadsheet. They just worked through and like, okay, what color do you want in the bedrooms? What color do you want? like wall colors? And like, what color do you want round or square bowls in your sinks? Dang. You know, all these kind of things. Do you want, you know. Which one did you get, round or square? Obviously we got square. Okay. All right. Yeah. Is there a question? I, I, I have no idea. I have no idea either. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot of that kind of like, I didn't know. Like, I didn't know there was a. Yeah. A million things you didn't think of. Yeah. So what color hardware do you want? Things like that. Got it. So it's a lot of questions, but a lot of it was answered by like our Pinterest boards and just like, oh, 
I don't know what color do we want? And you start looking through all of our pens and like everything is the same. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, clearly we want that. So it's clear that if someone wants to build a house, they should definitely Pinterest and all the people who Pinterest now feel justified in spending a lot of time Pinteresting yeah, for don't, their future whenever they build a house. But I think it's probably wise to say don't Pinterest the most, uh, like, Elaborate don't go and stuff. Pinterest a bunch of million-dollar houses. I think that's kind of... Unless you have millions of dollars. And if you have millions of dollars, go for it. And, and if you have millions of dollars, I am up. currently <laughs> looking for sponsors for the podcast. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think. I mean, I think if you can Pinterest in a reasonable way, yeah, um, within your means, I guess... And is that the toughest part about building a house? Staying within your means. Oh, because I'm sure yes. going in, y'all had like, because you were looking for houses before. Mm-hmm. And you were, of course, when you go on Zillow, you set the little, like, you want to leave the budget to any price just because you kind of want to see, hey, what is this $600,000? Like, I mean, I could maybe, make I mean, maybe that in work. a couple years we could get that, you know? Or yeah. what about this? But you got to set the little price slider yeah. to whatever your budget is just to cut out all the options that aren't possible. And usually, the, I i mean, for me personally, if my budget's like, I don't know, whatever, 200000 I, I usually put it at like 230000 240000 Just to see. Just to see. Got to see. So That's kind of what we did. Okay. So when you're looking at a house, is your is, is now your build budget the same as what you were looking for uh, when you were looking for a house, or did no. y'all increase it? No. I mean, it's increased, but I don't regret most. I don't think I regret any of the increase. Like... And, and the way we're looking at it, I mean, you said a minute ago, we're going to be paying for it for the next 30 years. <laughs> we're going to be in this Hopefully house Hopefully you can pay it off early. But yeah, yeah, I mean, we plan to. But this this house, I mean, we're going to be here for a while. Right. And there were things like like the outdoor kitchen. I mean, you, you and we love to have you and Tori over. We like having people over and entertaining. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our decisions were around being able to entertain at our house, um, hosting groups, hosting family. Um, so a lot of our questions came back to, well, would we do this, you know, if we fell into some money and could afford it and, you know, didn't have to question that and like, would we still, would, would that help us to entertain people? Would that, would that, would we use this for that? And a lot of the stuff like where we made the upgrades were like our countertops in our kitchen where we're going to cook a bajillion meals and have people over and sitting around the around the island you know that's kind of the stuff that we mm-hmm. prioritized um not so much i mean we did do a couple upgrades in the bathroom like the master bath because we're going to use it every day absolutely it's so important part like things like that like areas that we didn't want to like go like go cheap on yeah we kind of like i mean we're going to be here for a while we might as well make the investment and we kind of like justified it but a lot of the things is like stuff just costs money yeah (laughs) like we didn't even really go nuts on our countertops and i think it i I don't know i probably shouldn't give numbers but i'm gonna give numbers i think we spent like an extra three grand on countertops just to upgrade them from an already pretty good option Mm -hmm. but when you like we walked our house and we're like it's worth every penny Mm. like we love our countertops you know and like our brick fireplace in our living room like we're so glad we did that. Like built-ins, you don't think about them, but like y'all have built-ins. We put built-ins in. That's mm-hmm. like I'm thinking an extra thousand dollars or something mm-hmm. like that, or cabinets fifteen hundred dollars for our built-ins in our living room. But that's a very central like right. place in our in our living room. So it's like things like that. Just it adds up. Mm-hmm. You can fifteen hundred dollar or five hundred dollar your way into a a different budget <laughs> right uh, range. So it, it doesn't take much. But a lot of it, I mean. 
we did go out of bu- go out of budget, go a little bit more than what we were planning on when we first started. But most of it are things that we would do again, and we probably just didn't have very realistic. Uh, or we probably didn't have a very realistic budget when we started for like um, what you actually for what we wanted. knew we wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we, a lot of hopefully, the stuff is non-negotiable. Like we're going to do an outdoor kitchen, right? And hopefully, um, it, it appraises for more, and then you already have some equity in it. That'd yeah, that would be nice. Isn't it crazy? I just had the thought when you were telling me this about the countertops and all that. I was just thinking like ten years ago or whatever. If I heard like heard someone talking about countertops, I would just be like. What are you like? Why are you talking about something so dumb? Like, There's what are you so even, much about? Why are you house. even talking about counter? <laughs> but now we're like building, like moving houses and building houses, and it's like we're concerned with. I don't know. It's just like I never thought I would be thinking about countertops. I guess is my point. Oh, for I'd sure. much rather be thinking about football or like yeah, video games or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Thomas and I've had this discussion. Like he he texts me. We bought a a new vacuum cleaner a few months ago, mm-hmm. and Thomas was texting me. He was like, "Hey, y'all just got a new vacuum cleaner." Brooke and I are sitting here watching YouTube videos and reviews on vacuum cleaners. Also, <laughs> I think we're adults now. <laughs> but he was trying to, but like our interests and our like cares have turned into yeah. more adult-like things, I guess. <sighs> it's weird to think about. I often think about how great those junior high and high school days were when mm-hmm. I come home from school and just play video games and not have to worry about anything. Yeah, I'm not a dad yet, but like the idea of like, how excited I am about my outdoor kitchen, my <laughs> right. grill outside, and like yeah. got a sink outside. That's pretty man, tight. Oh, by the way, manly. you're a Traeger man, right? I am a Traeger man. So, like, is your built is your grill built in? Is it going to be a Traeger? No. Um, so, like, what's your deal? Are you- so, I got a gas grill built in because that's what kind of that was what was standard. I really wanted a like griddle, a flat top griddle built in, mm-hmm. which would have been sweet. But it was an extra... I don't think that was extra. They uh, just okay. don't really make built-in griddles that would have fit in our outdoor kitchen. Okay. Um, but I built, like, our countertop for the outdoor kitchen. I didn't want to build the Traeger in because then I would kind of be stuck with the Traeger and the size I have, and I kind of want to upgrade upgrade one day. <laughs> right. So I just left, a like, a five- or six-foot gap at the end of my countertop on that wall. Oh, before the wall ends? To put the, uh, yeah, to put the to put my Traeger. my Traeger right there next to my other grill. Okay. So you could grill double the, I, double the capacity. Yeah, and I, I think you can get like a, a griddle top. I don't know why. I all of a sudden just really wanted a griddle. <laughs> like when we started this, I was like, I don't really care for a gas, gas grill, but a griddle would be sweet. And now that's all I can think about. But I think you can get an insert for a griddle on a gra- gas grill. I'm sure, yeah. And use that for like hibachi or fajita Pancakes. stuff pancakes yeah pancakes is probably the only Bacon thing i can do eggs. on a griddle so anyways that's probably how i'll end up using that grill more and still trigger everything i can nice um so uh what's your favorite thing to grill on a traeger grill um let's talk about your grill journey that's another one i said earlier i'm kind of I'm kind of obsessive yeah um the house has been my obsession lately just because i think it I think that's a warranted obsession to kind of obsess about the you're thing probably, you're spending a little little right. bit of money on. Yeah, the most the most expensive thing you ever will buy. Yeah, I don't know that private jet I want to buy. That's true. That Another will, obsession that will cost a little more. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, no, the Traeger is one of my obsessions, and I didn't even know it was an obsession I was gonna have. Mr. Doug again, father-in-law who loves to watch TV, also loves to cook and eat, and that's something he and I share. But 
he was he was joking with me one day. He's like, "Man, you ought to get a Traeger." I was like, "What the heck is a Traeger?" <laughs> and he, I started looking him up, and he was saying he wanted one. Mm-hmm. So I was looking him up for him, like maybe for a Father's Day gift or something from all the kids. And, and then you saw the prices. So. And then I saw the price, and I was like, maybe a Father's Day and a Christmas gift. <laughs> but and two more years of Father's yeah, Day and Christmas yeah. gifts. But I was like, dang, that is tight. I do love barbecue and love like grilled meats. Mm-hmm. And I was like, those things are tight. You can so just, what? All right. So what, what makes it so tight? You, it's a pellet grill. Okay. What is a pellet grill? Pellet. So you know, you're you're you're, you're getting in the charcoal. The charcoal you're at the grilling game. Fifty dollar grill, charcoal in it up. That's that's what's up. I, and I honestly, like a real American, I want one. Kind of want one of those now, because <laughs> there's something you can't you can't beat a burger on, on a charcoal, charcoal grill. grill. I still haven't done burger on mine, but. Well, you can't beat it. I don't know what you're doing with all this steak. I've been doing lots of steak. Steak and venison. Yep. Um, the venison, unfortunately, was not good. Yeah, so you got charcoal grills, and you got gas grills, and you got pellet grills. Pellet grills. So there's like little pellets. There's a, huh? So they're just little pellets? Little pellets of like wood, like wood pellets. Okay. And you literally feed up, like build up, fill up a hopper, and it's got an auger that goes underneath. Oh, dang. So it feeds what you and need. And feeds the, the pellets into a fire pit. A uh, firebox, I think, is what they call it, or something like that. And that auger speed feeds it at a rate like if you want it to cook really low, like you. So you you dial in the temperature like you would an oven. Okay. So you can dial it in at one eighty. Wow. Or you can dial it in at four fifty. Is and that the just, max that it goes? I think it is on the one I've got. Okay. Maybe so. And then the newer ones go up to five hundred. Nice. Um, which is great for searing the steak. Right. Get it real hot. Mm-hmm. But. Um, but essentially it feeds at a rate based on how hot you want it to be. So if you want it like at 180, it feeds real slow mm-hmm. and just keeps a slow trickle of pellets going on the fire. If you want it hot, it feeds it quicker and keeps bigger fire, hotter so, fire. So that, so it has a, like a push button start, like a lighter? No, there? it, uh, you just, I, I, don't, start, know, I don't know itself. the witchcraft that happens it inside itself? that. You turn it on and you put it to smoke. Oh, wow. And it, over the next five minutes, it lights up and... This is pretty high tech. It's super awesome. Okay. I, and I, I didn't know what it was a year and a half ago. And then okay. Mr. Doug just turned me on to it. And I was like, I want one. And then that became my obsession. <laughs> I got one. And so now I smoke. I, I like to smoke stuff because you get that good flavor. Um, All right. So tell me about what's your favorite. My favorite thing. To and cook. tell me the entire process of how you cook it. It's really boring, actually. Well, this is what my we're favorite, here for. This is my I'm, favorite I'm here thing to learn. I think my best thing that I've cooked on it is a like a roast, okay. beef roast. Um, I've cooked a pretty good pork loin on it. I've cooked some good like I've cooked a couple uh, pulled pork like Boston butts. Which one? Which item have you cooked on the grill that you got the most compliments for? <laughs> I think honestly, my that, that roast I'm talking about. So okay. I literally put some like coarse black pepper. And big like uh, kosher salt, mm-hmm. like the big coarse kosher salt on it, and just put that thing on the grill at like 180 or two, 225 or so. Just let it smoke for a couple hours, mm-hmm. and it comes out so great. And but my buddy Ryan uh, Andrus, the worship leader at my church, he is, is he a, the ball headed guy. Yeah. Okay. He's also one of my just best friends. But he came over one time. We he he has like kids and. He's been in school. He just became a nurse practitioner, but he's been in school, and it's been really hard to hang out. So every now and then it's like we're hanging out, 
this day, and that was the case with this nice. this time we hung out. I was like, I'm cooking. You're coming to my house. We're hanging out. And I cooked a, uh, a roast, and I pulled it off the Traeger, put it on a cutting board. You know, it's about a four-pound roast. Mm-hmm. Put it on a cutting board. I had veggies on the Traeger at the same time, so I smoked some veggies and the roast all on one Traeger. Do you like, when you smoke veggies, do you like put them in tin foil or do you just put them on uh, the These grill? were in a tin foil pan and I put a little butter, a little garlic powder. And is it open top, stuff. open top pan? Uh-huh. You don't cover them? Okay. Uh-huh. And you just let them, okay. And I put like a little cup of water to help keep it moist and smoke. And butter, you said? A little butter, a little melt, melted butter okay. in the pan. But that's what I pulled off the Traeger and set it on the table on a cutting board and I think we ate with our hands. I think I nice. cut, cut it off the... Like barbarians. It, it was like it was awesome but ryan still talks about that all the time he's like dude i really want to just go eat some meat on a <laughs> uh on a cutting board uh so anyways that's probably my favorite thing i've cooked that, that people have raved about i've cooked ribs on there i'm still figuring out ribs um i've done a couple of briskets you've had a brisket i think mm-hmm. i cooked on there mm-hmm. no we had steaks we've done steaks oh, do we, have... we also had brisket okay once. okay and I was, I think the first time I did briskets, I think we had y'all over and I was like terrified. Oh yeah. Okay, I was talking I it down. Yeah, I was yeah. like, man, I, I hope no, that was good. I hope it's edible. Yeah. Was yeah. Like, it was good. Uh, it was real good. I think it's one of the rules they say is like, don't invite people over for the first time you cook something. Mm-hmm. But we totally broke that rule. And I, I mean, was just, I only cook whenever somebody is coming over. So <laughs> I was paranoid. I was like, oh my gosh, but brisket takes a long time. Yeah. And that's one of those things that with uh, charcoal, like I don't know how to manage that fire. Me neither. <laughs> to keep a brisket going for 14 hours or 12 hours. Or oh, whatever right. It takes. I don't even know how you would, how would you even do I, that? Exactly. Yeah, so that's a long time. I, I'd never even thought about cooking them until I got the Traeger and I was like, dang, I can cook brisket. I can cook pulled pork. I can cook ribs. I mean, I think people do ribs all the time on, on charcoal and mm-hmm. it comes out fine. But I had a friend of mine on Instagram, I follow Andrew, who I saw his Instagram story. He was putting on, I think it was a roast or a rump. I don't know. I think. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if it was beef or pork, but I saw his Instagram story at like one evening, like a five, I'm pretty sure it was like one afternoon evening. He was like putting it on the smoker. And then I woke up the next day and there was like a few more Instagram stories that he had like stayed up all night and like sat out with it while it smoked. Drinking some Coca-Cola. Through the night. I don't know. Yeah. Coca-Cola classics. But (laughs) I don't know. Like, is that normal? Because I, I saw that and I was like, "You can't just like set it and leave it. Like, why would you? Why would well, you have to sleep?" I have, with it? I have with my Traeger. Both times I've cooked brisket, I've I put it on like at nine o'clock at night and just little set it. And I'll maybe he doesn't have a Traeger. Probably not. <laughs> Be sitting out there watching it because with a Traeger, that's pretty. You fill it up with dedicated. pellets. You fill it up with pellets and you can set it on low and just let it smoke for, you know. 10 hours i think i did it i think i do it like at nine o'clock at night and i get up at seven the next morning so yeah 10 hours wow and i'll wrap it at that point and what do you uh, wrap it with butcher paper okay like that and you leave it in huh what do you mean right like you take it out and wrap it i take it out off the grill wrap it up in that butcher paper real tight you know what i'm talking about like the yeah that that heavy Mm -hmm. brown paper uh wrap it in that and i put it back on uh, and let it cook but, in the wrapper. And let it cook a little bit longer. It holds heat and moisture a little bit better. Okay. But I, the both times I've done a brisket, I've cooked it overnight, and Britt doesn't like it at all. Oh, really? <laughs> like, I mean, I can't believe you're like, just leave it and not watch oh, it. Oh, she doesn't. I thought, she, I thought you meant that she doesn't like the taste, but. No, no. She, she doesn't loves like the taste. The fact that it's going all yeah, night. She's a little bit, a little bit paranoid. Which, honestly, if I think about it long enough, I'm like, yeah, that is a. 
I mean, it's hooked up to power and it's yeah. a fire outside of my house. It's a Traeger there. Hey, I mean, I probably shouldn't be so trusting just because it's a house. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> if you're an insurance your agent, you're my insurance agent. Don't listen to this. Um, but yeah, briskets are really fun one to do. It just takes yeah. a long time and they're expensive. Briskets? Yeah, they're like 60, 70 bucks. Wow. For like four pounds? I don't know, it's like a 10-pound brisket. Oh, okay. That's but, I mean, yeah, it's not bad, but you can eat it on it two or three times. Yeah. But they're so good. I love brisket. Brisket is good. Well, we no. just went to, I just went to Hanukkah again yesterday for yeah. lunch. Huh? My With phone. my parents. My parents oh. invited me. Yeah. I think my phone must have been off or something. <laughs> right, totally. Their brisket's really good, mm. Hanukkah. Um, all right, so uh, hard transition here to something else away from the hobbies and the building the house. Your professional career. Oh, yeah. That. You currently have two professional careers. No, mainly just one. One is uh, <laughs> is with Farm Bureau, and then the other one is you're a podcast producer for this podcast. I am. Which is why it's so good, because we have amazing equipment that is subsidized by Carl himself and no one else. Carl personally paid for all this equipment. I did not. We do not use Farm Bureau equipment. We do. <laughs> um, okay, so you, uh, and also I've like, in, in talking about you to other people, like occasion, like a couple times, I say, oh yeah, like Carl helps me with the podcast. Uh, he works over at Farm Bureau. He does like media stuff for farmers, which I always say is like the perfect combination because if anyone has been listening for the past, however long they can tell that you are from the country. Thanks a lot. <laughs> and so you grew up on a farm uh -huh. and your dad's a farmer. He is. But you like doing media stuff. I do. And film and podcasting and all that. And your job is currently a perfect mix of those two things. It could not be more perfect. So I, I want to hear about your job and how you got your job. Okay. And then what you do mainly day to day. So I work at Farm Bureau, which most people think Louisiana Farm Bureau. You're definitely gonna have to explain that. Everybody thinks, oh, Farm Bureau, like the insurance company. Insurance. Yeah, that's the same kind of company. I mean, it's the same family of companies, but Farm Bureau is first and foremost, a membership program, a membership organization. Okay. Uh, built, made up of farmers. Um, so it's like a club. Cool Kid Club. Got it. Um, no, it's, a, it's an organization that, a policy development organization, a lobbying organization. Ooh, that's a bad word. I know, bad word, lobby. <laughs> but the whole goal of Farm Bureau is to represent farmers and ranchers of Louisiana. Um, and there's, there are parish farm bureaus. Aren't they nationwide, though, too? There is, yeah. There's an American Farm Bureau that okay. we're, Louisiana Farm Bureau is a member of. Got it. Um, and it goes all the way up. Like, it starts at the parish level. It's a grassroots organization. And at the parish level, like, say, Franklin Parish, where I'm from, may, their Farm Bureau board may get on, like, have an issue with, uh, there may be an, a far, very specific issue that Franklin Parish is dealing with. And that board can take action and say, hey, we got farmers on the south side of the parish that, you know, have, they can't, they can't travel these roads because they're falling apart. And they'll maybe work with the police jury to get some action and get some, you know, okay, uh, some resolution to that yeah. that issue. The same thing moves up further. Like, okay, that issue is not just at Franklin Parish. That's not just the south part of the the parish that issue deals with that. The entire northeast Louisiana has crumbling roads and bridges, so that becomes a state issue. Mm -hmm. So Franklin Parish and Richland, maybe some surrounding parishes, will all come to. Uh, our annual convention and maybe say, hey, 
here's some policy that we we need some we really have got to get our roads and bridges under control in northeast louisiana so then it becomes something that we'll take that like our lobbyists and our grassroots members will take to the capitol and say hey look we've got to have something to get our you know we got to have roads and bridges that are reliable that we can get our crops to the the, the market to elevator or wherever mm -hmm. and say if we don't do that we can't stay in business we can't feed the world blah 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 it's not blah 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 i don't mean it <laughs> blah, blah 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 but i mean it's, it's yeah. a lobbying organization to represent farmers the insurance company came out of that as a as a service so the farm bureau federation is the is the the club that's quote the, unquote club yeah, part of it that's the membership organization and, and then, then insurance is a branch that yeah, came and after okay. one of the things that started like where the insurance came from was um like as a like as a member you kind of like a benefit type you yeah it's a benefit it's a member yeah. benefit you get uh you know you get you know your voice heard you get to have a say in like policy but you also may get like at one point we had a tire program where you could get discount tires and mm -hmm. you know we have i think i mean we have a ton of member benefits like you can get 25 percent off at sherwin williams paint nice or you can get you know discounted car seats child car safety car seats or you can get you know all these different things that i'm probably leaving out some of the better ones i don't really we have a lot of member benefits insurance having the ability to get insurance is one of those benefits and that so, started off back in the day when farmers couldn't get their tractors and their mm -hmm. farms insured because they're such a specific right market so they're like well we'll just start a company to insure it so is so farmer it's uh the federation part the club like if a farmer in franklin parish they pay like a yearly fee and they're part mm -hmm. of it yeah it's 40 i think it's somewhere between 40 and 50 bucks and oh, okay. that, that's pretty cheap yeah i mean and honestly it's a small price to pay to be able to have your voice heard right 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 and be a part it's kind so, of it's kind of investing and, and the way i think of it is it, you're investing into the future of the industry that you mm -hmm. make a living in is there other things that are similar to farm bureau that farmers are members of that yeah. like kind of do this like is there a competitor i guess well there there are farm bureau is the largest general okay. farm organization and I say that because that's Farm Bureau represents anywhere from, you know, the seafood industry all the way up to the, the row crop farmers in northeast Louisiana mm, okay. and the hay and cattle and everything in between. There are other commodity specific groups like there's Louisiana right. Cotton and Grain. Okay. There's uh, American Sugarcane League, mm -hmm. uh, U.S. Rice. Um, so so there are commodity specific groups. OK. So do you know how many farmers there are in, in Louisiana? Uh uh. Uh, can you question. guesstimate? Uh, no. Do you know or how many members are? Members, I think we have like in the 160, 160,000 range. 160,000 members. But that's, I mean, a lot of that is made up of people with insurance that have no idea what that $40 they pay every year is. Okay. And they get upset about that. So non-farmers can get insurance through Farm mm -hmm. Bureau? Okay. Um, so you could be a Farm Bureau member. Right. Are you a Farm Bureau a, member? I am. There's a difference, though, in like... You know, Joe Blow that's a right. nurse downtown. And a farmer getting. And a farmer. Yeah. Um, there's like an active membership. Like that active is like the farmers that are in, that are members to be okay. active members. And there are, I guess, the mostly insured. They're just members to be, have the insurance. Okay. Um, so, and, and what that, 
that $40 goes to is like some of it goes towards the parish and running the parish office. Um, nobody's really getting paid at the parish level. I mean, none of a lot of people that run Farm Bureau are volunteers and they're not getting paid. Mm. Like people that on the policy side of things, like in the grassroots organization, yeah. the membership stuff. Like the lobbying people. A lot of that is are just farmers that are passionate about the industry and want to want to speak out and mm-hmm. make it better and protect it. So which one do you work for technically? So I work for Federation technically. Okay. Actually, technically I work for a parent company that kind of I can branch over into insurance every now and then. But okay. It gets real complicated. So talk to me about what you're like why does Farm why does Farm Bureau have somebody that spends all their time filming and editing video and producing right. podcasts? So in the 80s um a guy named Reginald Wallace started a TV show. That's a tight name. Reginald Wallace. Reginald Wallace. He actually was from Franklin Parish, which makes it really cool. Nice. Um, for me, special for me, because he was from Franklin Parish, and he started a TV show called This Week in Louisiana Agriculture. He was a, the director of communications or director of public relations or whatever. They that Our department's changed a few times, but the name has changed, but the goal is not. Um, what's, the, what's the name of your department right now? Communications. Okay. With the communications department. But... He uh, he started this TV show as a way to share news in the 80s, before the internet, really, and mm-hmm. before we had iPhones in our hands that could give us every all the news we needed. Mm-hmm. But he started this news sh- this TV show to share farmers share news with farmers about what's going on across the state, you know. And there's a lot of it was like talking with congressmen or or state representatives about certain issues and sharing it with farmers or hey this is um some sugarcane is being harvested in south louisiana and they worked it into like all the different markets like it on the so it's like a tv show tv show that was working into like i think eventually they got into like 18 different wow small markets across the state like local news stations and like like that's where it kind of began it shifted then from communicating only to farmers to communicating only to non-farmers about farmers okay. and telling the farmer's story. Mm-hmm. The department grew, um, the TV show grew, other things that we did grew. Uh, we added in, I mean, once the internet came around and social media came around, we were active active there as well. Not nearly as active as Elephant. <laughs> um, but, I mean, we're active on social media. We're active on, like, YouTube. We have a YouTube channel that we keep up mm-hmm. with our TV show content. Um, so that's kind of morphed, and our our focus has stayed the same. We want to tell the stories of farmers and ranchers. And the goal of it is so that people understand. Maybe it's a small percentage. You ask how many farmers are in Louisiana. I don't know, but nationwide, I think the number is under 2%. Mm. Um probably i think a little higher number i'm guessing maybe five to ten percent that actually work in ag related industries like banking and ag lending or yeah uh i think i would be considered in that world but there i think so yeah there are other they're probably a pretty good percentage that's not in the loop of what agriculture is all about and what you know what goes into producing the food and fiber that we depend on in the country mm-hmm. you know uh so that's kind of the goal now is to tell that story to people that watch our show about like what farmers are, are doing and who they are. Because some people, I mean, there, there, there are different narratives out there about farmers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're, you have family farming, right? My uncle's a farmer, yep. So 
but there are different narratives and you've probably heard these that like uh farmers are you know all the gmos are going to kill us all mm. and uh you know farmers aren't they don't care about what they're spraying on these chemicals they're just killing the world or whatever i mean i'm just <laughs> yeah. i'm being very exaggerated yeah. but th- those narratives are out there yep so what we try to do with our show is say hey this farmer that you think and we don't we're not i, I don't think we're very we're not aggressive or abrasive about it but like hey these farmers raise their families right next to these fields they're farming and they're spraying on the stuff in they wouldn't spray anything more than they have to to grow a, a successful crop mm-hmm. to feed you and the family that they're raising and farmers are consumers too and those kind of those kind of messages are things we get out there a lot of the things we talk about is like farmers are kind of the ultimate tree huggers and they're trying to make the ground and the land better than the way they found it because that makes it more productive for them not they're not trying to tear it apart right so those kind of narratives and and i think when you put a name and a face with uh, this guy that's raising, you know, has 10 chicken houses mm-hmm. in the north part of the state. No, he's got 10 chicken houses. He's just this mega, I mean, if you got 10 chicken houses on a few acres, you're probably this millionaire, and it's not the case. I mean... Yeah, I think, what, like, I'm just, like, I think most people are so unfamiliar completely with farm life and, like, the mm-hmm. differences. Because, like, I, uh, you know, my uncle's a farmer, so, like, if I think... Of, but even from the limited knowledge I have of him, like doing doing stuff, I mean, it's like him, his brother that does it. They have like a couple workers, and they do like a couple thousand acres or three thousand mm-hmm. acres of like three types of plant or something. But so like that's what I was familiar with. But then hearing about all the other possibilities of you know one guy being a farmer and doing like a smaller type with mm-hmm. maybe some help and then you got people that have like a bigger operation then you got people that raise animals then you got the seafood people mm-hmm. and like so y'all are talking about all that we're stuff. trying to yeah we're trying to show all those all those facets of it and there are corporate farms i'm doing air quotes there are corporate farms out there that you know have big time money behind them and they you know there there are those that like are not, I don't know about publicly traded, but there are like groups that own a big chunk of land that is used for this production and they have investors that they're beholden to. Mm-hmm. There are some of those, but the majority is not that. The majority are people like your uncle or my dad who, you know, we're just trying to, they're going out and borrowing a million dollars every year to plant a crop, to raise, uh, you know, to feed the world and then hoping to make that money back at the end of the year, yeah. pay the, pay the bank, pay the bank back. Yeah. And that's what a lot of them are doing. Um, so that's, we try to just show that like, Hey, these are just everyday people that are working. And my dad gets on this soapbox every now and then, which I, I used to, we'd be riding around the farm and I'd be like, Oh my gosh, here we go again. <laughs> but now like I, it's, it's, it's so true. I wouldn't, if it wasn't for modern agriculture, um, doing, you know, modern farmers doing what they do to raise the, the food and fiber that we depend on and, um, you know, taking the risk of that million dollar bank loan to grow a crop that they may not make much money off of. If it wasn't for those guys, we wouldn't be able to work at Elephant and Farm Bureau mm. without worrying about where's our food coming from. Right. You know, I mean, we're not that far removed. You think about it, a hundred years, 
from, you know, in the past, people yeah had to you know, grow your own had food. to grow their own food yeah. in the backyard. Um, so I mean, we have such a luxury of getting to go. You know, there's a farmers market happening right around the corner right now. Yeah, we can we can go there and buy food. Mm-hmm. We don't have to go there and buy food. We can go to Walmart. We can go to Albertsons. Wherever the lug we have such a luxury today because of the risk that farmers like my dad and your uncle and a ton of others across the state mm-hmm. and across the country because of the risk they take. And so I mean, what kind of I think a big part of our goal as a TV show is to, and as a department really, is to show that story and be like, hey, uh, there are probably some things that we can always do better when it comes to conservation or when it comes to, um, you know, safe practices and all this stuff. But farmers are the first ones that want to do that. Like they don't need us to tell them that. Mm-hmm. So, just that's kind of what we talk about a lot, and I don't really get to say it very often. And this isn't the best dinner conversation. Sometimes it'll get yeah. it'll get kind of uh, <laughs> it can get kind of heated sometimes with people that yeah. are very passionate about GMOs or yeah. whatever. A lot of people think they know a lot, but yeah, but usually they don't think they don't really know as much as they think they. Do. I want to clarify. I don't even pretend to think I know everything about the science mm-hmm. of GMOs and, you know, the chemicals that farmers use. But I promise you this, farmers don't want to use any more chemicals than they have to because that crap costs money. Right. And that money <laughs> they have to pay back at the end of the year. Yeah. So one one less, you know, treatment of, of chemicals is more money in their bank, in their you know, mm-hmm. account to work with. So um, so y'all are doing, to like, tell me, talk to me about your day-to-day stuff. You're, okay, so you're doing like the show per week still, right? Well, well since quarantine, we've been doing little bit a little bit more lax we're doing like every other week okay. which that's fixing to, i think change but i mean we want to do weekly shows it's this week in louisiana agriculture so and so like when you say the week like before quarantine stuff what y'all are doing, you, t- you talk about the weekly show mm-hmm. that's like a 30 minute t- kind of like 30 segment. minute television show every week and you have like so what like what goes into it what so, is the show uh it'll be four or five stories like i'm talking about where i'm go introduce Maybe I'll do a story maybe on, uh, you know, Butch Oaks, who's a poultry farmer in Washtenaw Parish. And, you know, I've done profile on him, say, and he talks about why he farms and, you know, some issues he faces. And I put pretty video over it, hopefully, yeah. and tell his story. And that may be one of five or six stories in the show. Okay. Uh, we do so it's a, primarily focused on showing stories of farmers uh, in the state. Yeah, but we also, like... This coming week, we're, we're working on that show, and this coming week, we'll have uh, I did a story on corn harvest because okay. that's just getting kicked off. I did a story with a guy in Lake St. John, and uh, Neil, one of my coworkers, is doing a story about the Mississippi River being dredged, mm-hmm. and that a yep. big bunch of money came out, Yep, and that helps. I mean, why does that matter to farmers? Because <clears throat> commerce moves down right. the river. Um, lots of barges of grain gets moved down the river, and if the river's not dredged and these you know barges and ships can't move mm-hmm. there's they're sitting stuck on the river so neil's doing a story on that i think we have a story about a, a farm called local cooling farms in new orleans or actually i think it's actually in bogalusa but it it's a couple that uh has also a they're 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 mainly working out of the new orleans market and they're it's like a micro farm uh it's like 20 or 30 acres super small but it's all like uh you know 
farm like fresh open uh like free range chickens and mm. they have hogs and some cattle and they're very uh very small footprint but they're very i guess creative in their marketing and and ways that they're able to make a living as a couple with 20 acres on a, as a farm that's cool so there's quite the variety and we also have a cooking segment that we do every month uh, okay so it's called uh field to feast where jennifer one of our coworkers, she goes out interviews a farmer in the field and talks about what goes into raising this crop in the field and then teams up and usually has a chef with her in the field like a i think a lot of the times we're using she has a great relationship with a guy named Tori mcphail who's out of new orleans who's part of the uh i think he's the executive chef at commander's palace okay you ever heard of that Mm-mm. nope super nice restaurant new orleans Sweet. Uh, but he goes out he's really big on like farm to table so he'll go out to the field talk about the product kill the cow maybe not <laughs> kill the cow but talk to the farmer that raised the cow yeah uh they've gone to like a butcher shop before and that's cool seen like uh, talk to the farmer about what goes into raising this product and then they take it back to the kitchen and prepare it cool. in a way that we can follow along and do it ourselves so that's kind of what's in the show this coming week so it's not just a bunch of drone footage of some corn harvest there right. will be that nice but it's also stuff that i think you know people that aren't on farms would care about that's cool that's kind of the goal so that's is that all y'all are doing or y'all do no so we have, you have show we have you know we're always on social media we're posting clips and pictures and you know sharing articles about things that are maybe of interest to our uh to the farmers or farmers the people or who, to people that right, you cool. know maybe are interested in agriculture but work at a bank mm-hmm. um so we're doing social media the tv show we have uh we have some very farmer focused things that we do in our department because we're the communications department we have to communicate things about the organization as well so we we do some very farmer centric uh like newsletters that are like hey here's what you know here, here's what's coming down the road from uh uh some federal you know the stimulus packages here's how farmers can benefit from that mm-hmm. um which that's a terrible example because people are going to say oh <laughs> farmers are welfare welfare where well welfare welfare farmers and they're, they're just they're just looking for a government check but aren't we all just looking for a government check yeah i can't wait just for kidding. one but <laughs> um but i mean that's not the case farmers just need to stay in business but mm-hmm. uh but we'll do a newsletter a daily newsletter to farmers daily newsletter farmers uh just news stories yeah. across the state that farmers might find interesting. Cool. Um, and we do podcasts. That's what you wanted to talk about, I feel like. Of course. I'll I love podcasts. So you have the TV show. Y'all post a lot on social clips and YouTube clips and things, but mm-hmm. most of that content's coming from stuff that you're generating for the TV show. Correct. And then newsletter. Mm-hmm. And then do you have anything that y'all that you're filming that is dedicated to something other than the TV show? Or is it all coming from the TV show content mainly? Um, there's times we go out and do stuff. We're a pretty small department. So uh, who, who, who all's in it? So it's me, Neil Melanson. And what does my, he do? He's the co-producer of the show. I'm, okay. Me and him are the co-producers of the show. Avery Davidson is the director of the department. Okay. And he, he helps anchor the show. He's mm-hmm. an old news guy. Nice. Um, but uh, And then you got Kristen Oaks white her married name okay Oaks, did she have a hyphen Oaks, hyphen white nice 
um, <laughs> who does all our social media stuff, and she co-anchors as well. And you got Monica Velasquez, our graphic designer, and then Jennifer Finley, who's our newest member of the department. Okay, who does, six uh, people. She does the cooking segments, and she's a, just does mostly video projects and stuff. So Jennifer, for instance, will go out and do stories and do little just things that might just go to social directly. Okay. Um, and I'll do the same. Uh, we all we all kind of do a lot of that as we can. But because we're such a small group, a lot of times we'll like, hey, what can we gather, go out and get for the show this week? Right. But during quarantine, we've been trying to do more social stuff, just little clips to share online and stuff. <clears throat> we'll also... Uh, uh, I lost my train of thought. We have a lull. We're talking. About, we're going to talk about podcasting. Is that your? Oh, podcasting. Yes. So we all have plenty to do, but because I love podcasts, I love listening to podcasts. I was like, you know what? We have all this content that we're always, and we're all these conversations we're always having around the department. I think we could probably make come up with some more content. And not to go like to Gary V, but like there's never, I mean, there, we can always put more content out. Mm-hmm. Um, so podcasts kind of came to mind and I started off thinking about the TV show we do. We have five or six stories in there and we always find ourselves in our department just sitting around like just chatting about, oh man, I went on this shoot and I was I was actually not even planning to shoot this video, but I was driving home and the sun was looking just right. It was setting and there was a guy picking cotton and just the right spot. So I just pulled over on the side of the road and put my drone out, but then I wrecked my drone into the cotton field. <laughs> Those kind of stories that don't make it on the TV show, but we can explain that. So it's talk like about a that. behind the scenes kind podcast of behind the scenes. Type. Yeah, we'll talk through kind of the show and like... By the way, let's pause for a second. Can you tell me like... I mean, I know what it is, but for the people listening, what the social media accounts are. Because you have a Farm Bureau, but you also have a Twyla. Yeah, so this week in Louisiana Agriculture, okay, we have a Facebook and Instagram. We have a Facebook that's that, and our Instagram is, I think, Twyla TV. T-W-I-L-A. T-W-I-L-A. Okay. So everybody, well, we call it Twyla a lot. Yeah. Everybody's like, where did that come from? It's this week. In right, right. In Louisiana, Louisiana Agriculture. agriculture. Yeah. Okay, got it. So that's, th- those are the two places, Louisiana Farm Bureau or this week in Louisiana Agriculture. You should be able to find either one of those on most of the places, Twitter, okay. Instagram, Facebook. And YouTube. And YouTube. YouTube is only this week in Louisiana Agriculture. Got it. Um, it, it gets kind of confusing because we're, we, we are Louisiana Farm Bureau. Yeah. But Twyla is one of our brands that we maintain out of that. Mm-hmm. And even Farm Bureau people that, you know, maybe are members but not super involved, don't, they don't, <laughs> right. they don't make the connection, which is, I think, somewhat by design. I think that's early design, you know, to kind of market towards um, the public, the non farmer yeah. public uh, that would be turned off by Louisiana Farm Bureau TV. Yeah. Which makes sense. So. Um, but yeah, so we do podcast that podcast started off as just like, Hey, let's talk through these, um, stories and what, you know, funny stories happened or, Oh, I got stuck and this farmer had to pull me out with his, you know, half million dollar tractor, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which they're usually <laughs> pretty fun stories, you know, involved in that. I like it. I think it's just, it's easy because we already right. know our stories and we talk about them all the time anyways. So it's just sitting around in our radio room. It's another thing I didn't talk about. We do radio reports that we send out to all a bunch of rural 
um, radio stations. Radio stations okay. for like market updates and things like Is that. Is that like daily also? That's daily. Wow. That's a beast. So you just like record an audio clip and email it off and they play it yeah. on air? Avery does all that. Okay. Director. He does a lot of that. He and Neil. Because um, Neil's been in the department for a long time and he's worn a lot of hats and that was one of his hats one day. But um, So we do the radio. We do that podcast, Twyla After Show is what we call it. Um, we also, one of my pet projects has been, which I've pretty much since quarantine just kind of shut it down because I mean like this, yeah, you can't beat one-on-one. Yeah. yeah. No one likes zoom interviews. No. So I, and, and a lot of, be frankly honest, a lot of farmers can't get a reliable yeah. internet connection and have a decent zoom meeting. Mm-hmm. So, um, I've been just, I put that on pause, but that's, uh, Louisiana farm life is my. My, it's my pet project where I go out and just interview farmers. Um, a lot of times, it started off because I was thinking about all these farmers I go and do profiles on and I have to condense it down to three minutes for a TV show. But I'll spend an entire day with them and I'm just like, man, there's so much story mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that kind of goes back to that purpose of what Farm Bureau is about is humanizing these farmers and saying, no, oh, this is John. He's a farmer, but he's also a deacon at his church and he's also, you know, loves to take his family out on the lake every weekend on the you know or this is kellen who enjoys having a day off so he can go play golf mm-hmm. and a farmer playing golf wow. right yeah <laughs> so it kind of trying to humanize these farmers that yeah people think are just these all they do is sit in the tractor all day and that's not right that's what i reality. think they do and work on tractors all day yeah so you is that all the podcast i don't want to so, cut it off yeah uh it, but the I twilight after show the louisiana farm life which is just mm-hmm. hopefully I mean, I like to talk about more than just farming on those. And then we have um, one called Grassroots Government. That's which, the one that goes all the government policies that could affect farmers. Yeah, we okay. talk We have, We have. talk with our lobbyist and our national affairs guy. Got it. Talk about federal issues. Like a lot, We've been busy during quarantine talking about those things, uh, how different stimulus packages may mm-hmm. affect and what to be ready for and aware of. and um, But also state politics. Like, hey, here's, you know, this bill is active and... A lot of times, it's, it's it started out that started out as like a little video project that the lobbyists and I were doing, just a weekly update on like, hey, here's what happened this week in the Capitol. Uh, you know, shout out to this representative for getting this bill passed through. We appreciate you. You know, mm-hmm. cool. That's just kind of here's here's where you're. Yeah, just like the keeping people updated. Yeah, here, here's what your membership and your policies, how, how they're kind of making their way to Baton Rouge. Um, so I, I want to talk about, like, tell me uh, kind of what, because whenever you do, like, a story, so you're doing a story for this show, for this week, whatever, you mm-hmm. are going out, you're picking someone, going out and doing a profile on mm-hmm. them. Um, tell me about, on one hand, how, like, you pick somebody, how you can maybe even convince them to let you come film their life. <laughs> And then what your thoughts are or how do you kind of prep and plan in your own mind to go out and tell their story or like capture them. And then also if you want to throw some details in uh, and we're like maybe in the last 20 ish minutes, of, mm-hmm. uh, we might have to text our ladies. I uh, see they're, they're texting us. I'm, yeah. I'm going looking up a text right now. Okay, good. From this week. Cause I had to convince shoot. somebody. Yeah. Go ahead. So finish you, your question. And then if you want to sprinkle in, uh, like what equipment you take with you, what setup you have for your camera, your audio. Do you mic people? What drone do you use? Do you use lighting? Do you all that stuff? And then how do you edit and produce? Like I, I want it all. How do I do all of my job? Yeah. All right. What so, is your job? <laughs> <laughs> um. So 
I'll start with like setting up a story. So, yeah. which is really probably gonna like I think is yeah. If you could if you could kind of explain maybe the general approach and like how because that's like the you know people will okay yeah he's got a Mavic drone and he mics but but this part I think uh, if you could convey this will help me understand how it happens. So, we'll I mean it'll honestly start with like a we'll have a meeting at the office and be like, all right, what's on the show for next week? And I'll be like, well, corn harvest is kind of cranking up. I might go do a story on that. Or uh, you need to take a phone call? Nope, I'm I'm doing the auto text response. Got you. Um, <laughs> uh, so I may say like, okay, corn harvest is starting up or rice harvest is getting ready to go. I'm going to go do a story on that. I might reach out to a couple of guys. Like we have another department. We have a commodity department that has three guys that, deal with all these different commodities across the states. I might be like, hey, and this actually happened for the last few weeks. I've been working with Andy Brown, the guy I was telling you about, my buddy. Mm-hmm. But he's on the, like he's on rice and corn, cotton, uh, I don't know about cotton, but a lot of grains he handles. So I was like, hey, you got any rice farmers that I could go do a story on? And he's like, yeah, let me make a few phone calls and he kind of helped me find a few rice guys and I'll just be like, all right, cool. So I'll reach out to those guys say, Hey, I'm looking to do some kind of a, just a general harvest something. Can I come out and shoot some video, maybe do a little interview with you. And with like for that, when I don't know these guys, yeah, I'll just like usually a bit cold call or I'll maybe use a guy that I do know. I, I mean, I've been doing this for almost five years now, so I've gotten some contacts around the areas uh, where I can kind of use as like yeah, drop a new name dropper. Yeah, hey, oh, Alan gave me your name. I wanted to see about coming out to the farm and you know see what y'all are doing. Um, so I kind of maybe use that some, but I'll just show up at the farm sometimes. These guys I don't know, and I'll just like jump in the pickup with them or get in the combine with them and ride around and just talk with them, get to know them. Nice. It's kind of I got to I got to really get to know somebody really quick, you know, to be able to tell their story. You know, it takes for sure. I'm not trying to say it takes some mad skills, but <laughs> it, I mean, you got to really kind of. I've, I've learned to really interview, like in a, in a uh, kind of a pre-interview way, like when I'm not actually, you know, rolling on the camera, just like kind of get to the bottom of like what makes this guy click. You know, um, and sometimes it takes all day. Sometimes it just takes a good tractor ride with the right question. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll do that a lot of times and just chat, and then. Uh, what is the right question to get them to tell you? It depends per farmer. You know, sometimes it's like, I mean, for the other day I was talking to a guy and I said, why do you, he mentioned something about market prices and they're kind of in the, the, the crapper right now. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he was talking about, you know, needing that government, some government, some government money, some payments, some like insurance payments. And I hate to say those things, but getting those so he can stay in business. And he mm. said that a couple of times in a couple of different ways. He's like, I'm not trying to make money off the government. I just want, I just want to be able to stay in business to do this job that I love so much. And once I hear something like that, I'm like, Oh, this guy's passionate about it. And then I'll just kind of maybe dig into that or like, so you wait, you, you don't want government money. No, I mean, I, I don't. And he'll say that kind of stuff. So sometimes it's just hearing the right thing they'll say and I'll just jump on it. But, I'll just try to get some kind of a, a really quick, you know, idea of who this guy is sometimes. Sometimes it's a farmer. I might be like, I might have gotten a lead on somebody be like, hey, you should do a story on this guy. I know I mean, he collects classic mercuries. 
uh, old, like cars. old cars. You know, he's a soybean farmer, but he also does this. I didn't do this story myself, but a coworker of mine did. Mm-hmm. And it's like one of those things you find. It's like, yeah, you know, this. What's driving this guy? Well, he's actually his love. What's driving him is his love for driving an old Mercury. Hmm. You know, whatever it may be. <laughs> and it's like you could find those little stories, and it's like it's fun, but but you wouldn't know that if somebody didn't. Yeah. Like say, hey, you should reach out to this guy because he has like garage full of old cars yeah or you know this guy uh he's a farmer but he also does this and also whenever i go to reach out to that farmer i kind of have an idea of where i'm trying to guide the conversation okay um so that's kind of a i mean i can get a story from anywhere i'll, I'll see a newspaper article or i'll get people and i, I get people pretty often i'll just like i'll say okay i haven't done anything in the, the nursery business for instance we just had the, the yard landscape. So I was like popped in my head. I'm like, I need to reach out to some nursery guys. That's yeah. agriculture. Yeah. So I called a guy and he was like, hey, you got any stories? Anything going on? I'm just like cold calling, just fishing for stories. So that's how I kind of find stories to do. Okay. Um, how far out do you plan visits to people? Uh, <laughs> sometimes a couple of days, sometimes a couple of weeks. Okay. Um, it just kind of depends. A lot of times... Uh, it's hard sometimes with farmers. Like they're like, uh, don't have anything planned. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can't tell you the day I'm planning to start cutting corn. Right. So it might be, uh, hey, I'll give you a call next week and let you know what it's looking like. And I might be like on the road that afternoon, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, he, he might call me at 10 a.m. Be like, hey, I think we're going to cut today. So I'll just get in the truck and drive to, you know, wherever. So sometimes it's pretty, pretty last second. This past Thursday, Andy and I were going to go try to find some corn, some guys harvesting corn. And he'd reached out to a few guys and had some guys lined up. But one guy got broke down and another guy was like, had gotten caught up. You know, he'd cut all the corn that was ready and was having to wait around. So he wasn't cutting. Mm -hmm. So like the day that we were planning on going, we get that text, those texts like, hey, we're we're not. So we're like, crap, I still need to kind of, I still wanted to go. So we just started like calling people that we knew in the area and like, Hey, what other farmer is cutting? We found a couple guys that were cutting and like, we're able to go and, uh, reach out to him. And then, uh, Kristen, the, my coworker, she yeah. lives in Natchez and her husband yeah. farms in like Concordia kind of near your uncle. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, near Monterey. So we yeah, that's called right by my uncle. Huh? That's right by my uncle's. Yeah. yeah. Um, Deer Park. Yeah. My uncle's is just North of Deer Park. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, so anyways, I call Landon and, he kind of gives me a few names and we kind of were comparing those to some names that Andy had gotten from a different guy. And we're like, okay, well, this guy's name came up twice. We need to reach out to him. Yeah. And one of the guys, Kristen reached out to and was like, Hey, y'all, are you still cutting corn? And he texts back three hours later <laughs> and is like, oh, I'm not going to lie. Didn't text back. Cause I didn't want y'all to bring those cameras out here. <laughs> but yeah, we got started this afternoon and it's like, <laughs> that's what you deal with sometimes is yeah, like yeah. some people don't want to tell their story and that's yeah. kind of the it's a sad reality but it's a reality so sometimes we're just having to like sweet talk your way i i kind of i was telling andy this like if i can get a farmer to let me and that happened with the guy thursday that i interviewed talked about um you know not really wanting a government check he said you're welcome to come out and shoot some video but i really don't want to do an interview mm-hmm. and after i shot some drone video and i went and shot some footage around you know the combine and stuff and them cutting we got it we were just talking i was asking how harvest has been and what the numbers are like and 
you know, just general, just making, you know, shop talk around the, we're literally sitting on his tailgate, just chatting, the three of us. And I was like, let me, let me mic you up. <laughs> can you tell me, can you just tell me that on camera? You know, whatever it was yeah. that you said. And he's like, eh, I guess I can tell you that. And I'll end up talking myself into a 10 minute interview on camera. Nice. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like if I can get onto a farm for the most part, I can work my way into an interview. I'm not saying I'm that awesome and just, yeah, it's just like farmers realize, and yeah. that's one of the things like, I think people think of the the cameras that we bring, and I'll tell you yeah. what those are in a second. If you got a second, for sure. Uh, the cameras that we bring, and they're thinking, oh, it's like the WBRZ. They're yeah. coming out to do a hatchet job on agriculture. Yeah. Well, that's not what we're in. We're in the business of making farmers look good, as good as possible. And I think sometimes farmers just think that doesn't exist anywhere. So once I get out there and I start talking about the fact that I'm from a farm and I'm all I want to do is make them look good. It kind of eases their mind a little bit. So that's kind of the, my, like if I know there's a guy that's a little bit hesitant, that's mm-hmm. what I, I try to disarm them with that. And like, I'm not in the business of, of hatchet jobs. Right. Um, not some city boy coming out to. Yeah. Which is funny because <laughs> I usually come out there in skinny jeans and, you know, a polo and they're yeah. like. Uh, and clean. And, and clean. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. A, and a and clean truck. Out there sweating and busting yeah. and. So uh, I, 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 it's funny you say a city boy because I'm I kind of feel like I'm really trapped in the middle of yeah, country yeah. boy and city <laughs> yeah. boy because like I really love the country and I come from the country but I also wear you know slimmer cut pants and right uh, live in the city and enjoy the city conveniences so mm-hmm. it's like I feel like I'm not country enough for country folks I'm probably not city enough for city folks <laughs> so yeah that's good that's a good place to be unique yeah, I'm unique. okay with that I'm okay with it my so, wife reminds me often I'm really country <laughs> I do too country folks remind me often I am real city so nice I don't know what to make of it uh yeah your wife definitely is not country not at all yes and my wife I love her real quick you asked about camera gear I'll tell you I okay. use like Canon like DSLRs okay uh I have a, a 7D Mark II. I have a an EOS R, the new mirrorless camera they just came out nice. with. Yeah. I have a C100 Mark II, which is kind of more cine cinematic camera. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually just not broke it, but it's got some kind of a problem in the chip somewhere because it's my it's getting real glitchy on my oh, really on my recordings. That sucks because it's one of my favorite cameras. And I've also got a uh, a Canon XF705, which is like their newest camcorder like just made actual for video actually yeah yeah which the quarter. c100 is a video camera too but this one's like what you would see a local news guy carrying around probably okay so it's it's nice it's all kind of it's kind of the ready to go so what about the audio like how do you hook up so with audio i'm using uh like i have a on most of my cameras i have a shotgun mic the camera the video cameras i have shotgun mics mm-hmm. i've also got some sennheiser uh AVX, I think, is the if for anybody that cares. Um, AVX series wireless lapels, lapel, yeah. And I've got a, a handheld mic I can use with that. It's all wireless, but I I, I typically just put the lapel on them, and I, I kind of pride myself on like most times I put a, put a mic on a farmer, and you know they're all like, oh, I got a microphone on me, and yeah. then uh, <laughs> two or three minutes later, I kind of have talked them into forgetting that they even have a microphone on. Yeah. So they always try to take it and like forget they have it on, start walking off. So you uh, so you record the audio on a separate recorder, not connected. No, it actually all is re- 
and my favorite way to do it is recording it all directly to the camera I'm shooting okay. with. Cause that's so just, the cameras you have, you can hook a shotgun, but it also can take an, a wireless. Yeah, the C100 and the XF705, both of those have multiple XLR inputs. Okay. So I'll use, uh, <clears throat> I'll use those as be- as most as much as I can, and even I have like the the cable I can use to go into my like EOS R if I wanted to, so mm-hmm. I can do wireless audio right into the cameras, and I like that way because that's one less step on the back end. Right, I was about to ask matching it all up. Can you change individual levels in post if you do it that way? Yeah, so I'll have like on the two video cameras, I'll have like my shotgun mic on one channel and my nice. lapel mic on another. And there's been times where I've had I've needed that shotgun mic for an interview because my lapel battery went out or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm still able to use that. That It's not as good, yeah. but I can still use that shotgun mic. Okay. But yeah, that, that's all that post-editing. There's a lot of stuff you can what do. What do you edit in? I edit in Premiere, audio, uh, Adobe Premiere. Okay. Audio and Audition for podcasts. I pretty much, all, everything... Everything Adobe. Adobe Suite. I love it. And you have what kind of drone do you have? Mavic Pro. Mavic 2 Pro. Oh, that's the, that the like, new new one? It's the one with the Hasselblad. Um, What's that? It's like, it's one of their. Hasselblad actually makes like $40,000 like still cameras. Really? They're insane, but they're incredible. Wow. They're like, uh, it's called like a medium format camera. I'd never. Is even, this the new one? It's. Uh, like when did you get that? I think it's a couple years old. Oh, okay. What's that? Oh, maybe the, maybe I'm thinking of the Mavic Air too. That just I think that out. yeah, they've come out with okay. a couple like that. But the um, the one I mean, the one I'm shooting with is like the Mavic Two Pro. Okay, and it's awesome. It's got like a it's got a bigger sensor, a bigger camera. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, think about like my iPhone has a pretty good camera. That's what I would consider something like the Mavic, the first Mavic I have, the Mavic Pro. Mm-hmm. And then this one has something like what would be in a a DSLR, like a medium oh, format wow. camera. It's just a bigger sensor, so it can bring in more data, and mm-hmm. it's just the colors. It's just so sharp and so rich. It's beautiful. That's legit. That's my favorite camera to shoot with. People ask me, they're like, they'll see all the gear I have in the back of my truck, and they're like, dang, you got all this gear. And I'm like, yeah. My, then I'll pull out of a backpack my little Mavic and unfold it. And yeah. Like, but this is my favorite camera because I can fly it. Right. Drones are amazing. Flying is another one of my obsessions. I want to. We didn't even get in. I know we didn't even get. We, I want to fly one. Day. I want to get my pilot's license. That we're, would that we get would, our pilot's license. Let's, we're gonna do. We're gonna do. That's that'll be a round two. Dude, we once can you get, start. You need to get somebody that owns a plane that owns a pilot, like a, a like a a flight instructor or something on here. He'd be a great. That would be great. Guest. I know people. I know a guy who, uh, you know, BTR Jet. Yeah. The only private, the only charter flights out of Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. I know the guy who owned it and recently sold it, but still works there. I need to I need to hit him up. He's a custom knife collector. Maybe we could go do it at the terminal there. That'd be the sweet. Terminal. We're talking about this. We're talking about this because, as I mentioned, Carl helps me with my podcast. I'm always blowing Chase's phone up about like. Hey, that would be, yeah, we we definitely need to because we're because that would be awesome to talk about, and we're both going to get our pilot's license and share at some point. We need to go just halves in on a plane. You're right. We should do that. I mean, it's just money. All we need is that million dollar listener to sponsor the podcast. That one listener. We're going to use your money very wisely to buy a very nice plane. <laughs> With your and brand on it, we will put your brand on the side of the plane and I'll advertise wear, it. We will wrap that thing all the way <sighs> We're and fly you wherever packages. you want to go. That's right. We will. Uh, that money will also go to pay for our uh, 
No, 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 no. It's just for the plane. Well, I mean, it's, it's just for the plane. But it's also going to pay for us to get licensed to fly said plane. Oh, right. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Official license. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, what was the first um, first story you went out and did on your own? Oh, man. So I did an internship at Farm Bureau. Okay. I guess that's how you got in. That's how I got in. Yeah. We didn't even talk about that. But yeah. it's been a blessing and like everything's kind of worked out like it should have. And it's been awesome. Uh, I say like it should have. Like... A dream. I mean, it's been awesome. But like you when planned I was, it since your birth. <laughs> no, but like it couldn't have worked out more perfectly yeah. for me. Um, uh, because we don't. I mean, it's not a lot of turnover at Farm Bureau, so getting like luck, lucking into a time where there was a little bit of turnover is like mm-hmm. whoa. That's yeah. pretty fortunate. Um, but my first story as an intern was they let you go out by yourself as an intern yeah that was part of my internship was like wow you got to learn to use a camera and it was a summer internship it was a very Mm. very compact uh truncated kind of internship and they i went out and did a story about dairy day dairy day dairy day okay it's a thing in like the florida parishes where there's still a few dairies there's not many dairies left in the state and i went and did a story on dairy day it's like a kid like a kind of like day they had a bunch of 4-H'ers out there and mm-hmm. like a few but it was mainly a day for a bunch of dairymen to kind of get together with bring their kids and the 4-H'ers and they would come and like present some like dairy related FFA awards maybe and stuff like mm-hmm. that had no clue what it was I just went out there and I was like it was horrible <laughs> I look I watch I watch it back right now and I'm just like man that was terrible that was the first one I did what was myself. bad about it Everything. Oh man, just the writing, the my my voiceover. Oh, so you legit did everything. Like you did voiceover, I, yeah. the filming. And it took me the... probably two weeks to do. <laughs> really, it's horrible. Um, but I mean, the writing was bad. The voiceover was bad. I mean, the editing was. <laughs> I mean, I was in college still. It was. So how long does it take you to do a, a one story right now? How it, I like, can do it in a few hours. Okay, so you go out and film, and then you could potentially have the story done at the end of the day. Yeah, I did a rice a rice story a couple weeks ago, and. I was trying to get get out of the office to go to the beach. Um, so I was trying to get it all knocked out. And mm-hmm. um, I was like, I had a bunch of really good B-roll, had two interviews to work with. And I pretty much went from the time that I lay, sat down and started putting down, like pulling out sound bites that I was going to use, writing the script to connect all the sound bites and you know, doing the story and editing it probably four or five hours, maybe total. Nice. So the first, but the first one took you two weeks. Oh yeah. And <laughs> and honestly, there were times even after I started, so that was the first internship story I did. My first story after being hired officially was at Grand Isle. Mm. And it was the paradise of Grand Isle. It was like a day later, like the day I, like I walked in, I got my keys to my new vehicle. Um, company vehicle and big time perk wow dude um you're so rich i, <laughs> I was given my my camera gear and kind of a crash course in the gear uh-huh and the next day i drove down to grand isle first wow. time in my life to go to grand isle and meet this guy that i didn't know and do this story that was due so i started on a monday and i had to have the story done for wednesday for the mm. first week first show and I was like, oh, crap. And it was also about oysters, which I had no clue about the industry. There was some kind of a – they were opening the Bonnie Carey Spillway or something, and it was affecting oyster uh, oyster beds. And mm-hmm. I was like – so I had to learn all I could about why that was an issue and why that would be a story. Hmm. 
and then drove down there, got the interview, came back, and tried to put that together. And I was like, I was at the office all night looking through footage because I didn't know what we had like in the archives I could work with. Mm -hmm. So it was it was atrocious. <laughs> that that story was garbage. <laughs> garbage. Sure, it wasn't that bad. We've come a long ways. Um, what's the what's like the sketchiest situation you've been in? Uh, like out on a farm or somebody getting mad at you for do, for like filming them or have you had any stories I like that? Many, I mean, most times I'm not going to actually end up on a farm. I'm trying to think. I don't think I've had. I don't think I've had many of those. I've run out of gas a couple times. Nice, because I'm an idiot. <laughs> One of them was on the way to my dad's farm. Nice. Felt so stupid. I bet I you he made him. fun of you for that. Oh yeah, he took pictures and put it on Facebook. That was fun. <laughs> no real sketchy. Nothing really. Okay, nothing too crazy. Nothing too. That's wild. probably good. Um, I'm sure, I, I mean, I'm not knocking, but I think probably if I got into the fisheries and did some seafood stories, mm. it could probably get a little weird because some of those guys, and I'm not, it's just a very, uh, kind of a wild west type of a industry. Nice. Like, sounds interesting. Very competitive and that could be, it, I could, I could probably find myself in a, in a pickle down there, but I want to do some stories like that. Have you ever interviewed someone that you because of their heavy accent had to put subtitles on i've never had to but i know uh some cajun peeps the clo not honestly the closest thing i probably would have done would have been somebody it was a professor at lsu who, what not not a not a, oh he's okay from another country yeah oh, okay not a, not a so no, no louisiana person no there. louisiana like heavy accent <laughs> i was like thinking maybe there I'm have not. been times where i had to like I've had to like say, what did he say? And I wouldn't use it if I couldn't figure it out. Right. Like, what right. did he say? But I will, I did need to figure it out for the sake of the story. Right. Like, okay. But yeah, I was just, I was picturing maybe some shrimper down in the bayou and yeah, talking down, about down it. Down the bayou. Yeah. And then you put subtitles like swamp people. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't think I've ever done any stories with people like that, which I mean, there probably have been some where that's a pretty heavy accents, but not so much that I have to put subtitles. Cool. There's some there's some there's some accents in Louisiana. There is. There's quite a wide range. Um, all right. Last thing before we cut it off, because you're we totally was there was like a few other things we could have talked about. I didn't think about flying because we haven't actually stepped into it yet. So I think like once we officially step into it, then we could really. Anyways, uh, you drive like a lot. Mm -hmm. So first question: Do you know how many miles per year you drive? Just of curiosity. Uh, I drive a lot, but not. Like there are people that drive a lot more than me. Okay, so maybe not um, crazy. No, probably thirty five thousand miles a year. That's pretty good. Though. Forty thousand miles a year. That's a lot. Okay, I so get, I, we get new trucks at certain points, and I know nice. how often I get a new vehicle. Once you run it in the ground, no, doesn't <laughs> make it to the ground. But so that that question leads into for our last little thing here. Tell me uh, a few of your favorite podcasts oh to listen gosh. to. So I like Armchair Expert. Mm -hmm. My wife's called me. Did your wife call you? Uh, nope. Whoops. Um, we're coming, babe. Promise. They might be here already. Are they here? Oh well. Um, podcast. So I listened to Armchair Expert with Dak Shepard. Yep. Friend of mine got me into that. He interviews like other celebrities, mm -hmm. which is kind of fun. One of my dailies is literally the Daily mm -hmm. by New York Times. It's like one story of news. Um. Like it's like the say the cover story for the New York Times mm -hmm. in audio form with they're speaking with the reporter that wrote that story and then like that reporter has some recordings of interviews with sources. Mm -hmm. So it's very like it, it's very well done. 
Um, I listen to that. I listen to Armchair Expert. Um, I like, uh, there's one, a few of them by Wondery. Mm-hmm. There's Wondery's one called Blood Ties. It's like a drama. Blood Ties? Blood Ties. It's, okay. it's like, it's like a, a, a 20 minute, 25 minute episode of like a, like a drama you'd be watching. It's nice. very well done. It's like a fictional it's story. Like fictional. It's okay. got Josh Gad as one of the voices. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So they have like professional. <clears throat> I've listened to a few like that, but they're just really, they're like six or seven episode seasons. Mm-hmm. And then the story starts, picks back up at season two. Cool. But I just, season two just came out of Blood Ties. And I, I'm looking through my thing. Yep. That one, I listened to that. Listen to Imagine Life. Never heard of that one. It's pretty awesome. It's like 45 minute episodes, which I like the longer episodes. 45 minutes um, where they're like talking about, like they're telling this entire story. You don't know who they're talking about until the very end. Mm. You have to, you're kind of guessing the whole time. You're like, that's kind of like Mike, what Mike Rowe does on his. Yeah. Podcast. It's like a 45 minute version of that. Wow. That's with, impressive. Yeah. Very much like, and I like listen, what's a couple of the people that they've done? Uh, Vladimir Putin. Oh, okay. Had no idea. Wow. Um, Elton John. Uh, is it mainly current or is it historical also? I don't know. I'm trying to think of anybody. Oh, there's like Frank Lloyd Wright was one okay. architect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know who. I would have never guessed it, but it was fascinating. The, the stories are really cool, mm-hmm. and it's all some fiction. Some of it's based on like good research. Uh, oh crap! The uh, girl that wrote all the Harry Potters. Oh, J.K. Rowling. That one was really good. Really, it was fascinating, and I was just like. Because, anyways, uh, <laughs> can't give it away, but... You, so that's imagine, Imagined Life. Imagined Life, okay. I listen to one called American History Tellers, because I'm a nerd. Okay. Um, that's about American history, I assume. About American history. It's like six episode seasons about, you know, kind of different, uh, like, eras. Mm-hmm. So there's, like, one on Prohibition. There's mm. one on World War Two. There's one on, like, the Bastard Brigade and, like, Great Depression and... That's cool. you know, national parks and how national parks became a thing. Um, so that's pretty, it's, it's interesting and it's done by Wondery. So it's done really well. Yeah. Kind of the same type of stuff. There's some fiction in there probably, but it's all to tell stories and it's actual. Uh, there's some, I listened to one called chase doesn't know. Oh, that's, uh, that sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. It's pretty good. Um, uh, slow burn. Plug. slow burn, slow burn. Okay. Never heard of that one. Check it out. Slow burn. Um, Dadville. Dadville. That sounds like. Did I talk to you about that? No, I haven't heard this. Dude, you got to check that one out. It's Dave Barnes and John McLaughlin. Dave Barnes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And they interview different uh, dads, but they're also interviewing dads that they're friends with in the business. So the business of music. Yeah, like they had Chris Tomlin on. Okay. Which was interesting because they're friends with Chris Tomlin. Mm -hmm. They talk about like being a dad, but also like being a dad in the music industry and you know how to be a good dad and it's actually it's pretty wholesome and like that's cool they talk about like very like like good practices as a dad like how to how to make your children feel special you know Mm. the last one was with andy grammar it was less wholesome (laughs) it was some potty mouth Uh uh-huh andy has a potty mouth but it was a really good episode i would highly recommend that one okay really funny they got solid like solid dad jokes or what oh full of dad jokes. all right good good that's like like the, let me see if I can find. I'm trying to the, the thumbnail is like one of those arm like old classic oh, arm yeah. chairs. lawn chairs, love it. Like from the lawn, yeah, nice. Anyways, that's pretty much all of them. I don't know. Sweet armchair. Oh, business wars. That's another wondery one. 
fascinating. Okay. Check it out if you're ever driving. I listen to all these. Like I'll listen to an entire season on one day. I'll drive yeah. five, six hundred miles in a day. That's a lot. Sometimes going to a farm and back. So I've got plenty of time to listen to podcasts. Business Wars, I think, starts off with Netflix versus Blockbuster. Oh, nice. So it's and then there's like that Nike versus Adidas, and there's Pepsi versus Coke, and it's like or uh, uh, Sony versus Nintendo. Cool. So it's pretty fascinating. Like yeah. you're in, like you can find, you can probably find a season of something you're interested in. Solid. So That's legit. Cool. Yeah. I figured you would definitely have some podcasts I've never heard of podcasts. because uh, you're on the road all the time. Yeah. It's, I don't, and Joe Rogan was not on any of those lists. No, he's not. Uh, I just can't do Joe. I don't know why. Yeah. I think you're Joe. I mean, uh, armchair experts. Yeah. Joe Rogan. You feel like you feel to Joe Rogan as I feel to armchair expert and vice versa. Yeah. That might be like some psychological examination there. People who listen to Joe Rogan, people who listen to Armchair. I'm probably being ridiculous. Probably not. I, I feel like Armchair is probably more pop culture that yeah, I find myself probably, interested yeah. in. And Joe's probably more conspiracy and... Well, I mean, he has a lot of, seen a lot of stuff different people lately. on there. But I, I did see... I do follow him on Instagram, and I did see he just put out a bunch of stuff about um, social justice. And not social justice. Uh, what's the word? Like, uh, justice for people like that have been. Oh, the, the Innocence wrong, Project. Innocence one? Project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. I just started listening to that one actually. And I'm like, I haven't listened to Joe Rogan podcast yet, but I may listen to that. You one haven't listened to any Joe Rogan podcast? I think I listened to some of Elon Musk just because uh, yeah. everybody was talking about it whenever he was smoking weed. <laughs> yeah, but he's been on again too. Yeah, talking about his child. Yeah, X A twelve A E something. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Anyways. And, well, we're I about to go eat some food. Let's go. I'm with our wives and my baby. They're probably mad at us. Probably so. Um, but that's okay. We went only 20 minutes past our time. We were supposed to meet them for food. And Hashtag. we still have to record the intro and the outro. Yeah. We can do that after lunch. Maybe so. Because we're all in separate vehicles. Oh, that's right. Four people in four separate vehicles. <laughs> Economical we are. Yeah. Cool. Really Thanks a lot, bro. For the planet. Thanks for sitting down and being the dedicated guest for an episode. Oh, man, it's been fun. Can't wait for the next one. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Carl and hearing about his farm and media world. I really enjoyed asking some detailed questions about what he does during his day job and and then getting a little bit of education on house building and the whole experience. Um, I enjoyed having him as the guest, even though he does some great color some through some of the episodes but of course it's always great to have a conversation with a friend and get to know them a little more and explore some things so thanks again carl really enjoyed it and again i want to say thanks to raising canes of central for sponsoring this episode of the podcast i really appreciate your offer to keep me well fed with that delicious chicken and raisin cane sauce for sponsoring this episode and again please go out and see alan over at the raisin canes and central Tell them that you heard about him on the Chase Doesn't Know podcast, and you might get an extra chicken finger, maybe a little extra sauce or something. Uh, if you're smart, you would ask for an extra toast. Whether you're paying for it or getting it for free, always go for the extra toast. Me personally, I'm definitely subbing the coleslaw for a toast. You can hate me for that. I don't really care. That's how I do it. Box combo, no slaw, extra toast, large sweet tea. Add a sauce. Thanks, everybody. See you on the next one. <laughs>